is the blues on the street. Parade's complete, and Gloria is the new queen. You can't forsake the team in last place as they sang the Bruins to sleep. My memory is scummy, was this podcast that I'm in? Man, last season's out again, and Brink Moose is back in. Hey Pierre, what's wrong? What's going on? No team's gonna cut you a deal. Mitch said, hey Austin, you're awesome. Drop your pants and shock them. Now score like your game's freaking near. Unfriggin' believable. Sen's got no stars or snipers, but it's best draft in years. At least fans can't sleep easy, because here comes Lafreniere. Hello there, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast, an episodic podcast where two good friends get together and discuss all things NHL and their implications in the fantasy hockey universe. universe. It's a special week this week. We are back in the Toronto studio. I am, of course, am your host, Nick Costu, along with two guests this week. First off, the esteemed Kyle Nice is back and healthy, ready to go, and happy to have back from episode five of the podcast, esteemed guest, Michael Robson. How are you fellas doing on this, uh, I don't know, what is this? Yeah, evening, Saturday evening, Saturday evening. We're getting into the game time soon. Uh, I'm happy to be back. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to... uh, spark some hopefully uncivil debate as as we get through our topics on this podcast. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I know we, uh, as you guys know, we had such a great Leafs roundtable before. And uh, yeah, just to get some of those pieces back, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic episode. But yeah, we, uh, we've been a little, we're, we're privileged, you know, we're, we're pampered and we haven't been on the show a while because uh, we don't like uh, recording so much from such a distance. So we, we waited for the opportunity for Nick to be back in town. The studio lights are on. <laughs> the, the on-air red, uh, red light is glowing. And uh, it's a great day to record. And we have a little bit of a beverage here. And uh, let's, uh, let's get this off and running. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic when we haven't recorded in so long because there's just so much to get <laughs> into and, and so much ground to cover. So I, I, I think, you know, our, our fans have been eagerly waiting. The and uh, and And... And I think there's no better uh, way to start than uh, than the All Star Game, the event for the fans, as they as they say it. You know, players don't want to be there, but the fans get their weekend. And uh, this year it was in it was in Great St. Louis, Missouri, uh, a place that I you know it's it's kind of a home away from home for me. I was just there a year ago, uh, got mm. to see some baseball. Was there for the St. Louis Cup run. Um, was happy to see that they were getting to host this year, especially after their big run last year. And all in all, it, it seemed like j- just as an event, you know, as, as far as just, you know, the, the the league having a good time, you know, making some revenue, getting viewership, getting some of the big names out there. I know I know a few didn't want to didn't want to come. But all in all, it seemed like a pretty successful weekend to me. Um, what did you guys think from from uh, get into anything skills game, uh, anything surrounding the event? Give, give, give me everything you got on this weekend. What did you take away? Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll be 
totally upfront. I wasn't all that involved in this weekend as I usually aren't. Uh, so I'll give you a couple takeaways right off the bat. Uh, one of the favorite uh, uh, events for me was the skating competition, the fastest skater. Really impressive by Matthew Barzell. We always knew he could skate, but uh, for him to just beat out Connor there was was pretty impressive. Obviously, I think, you know, we're no one saying Barzell's a better skater than Connor McDavid, but uh, it just goes to show he's got that in his toolkit. It was a hell of a lap and uh, really awesome to see on my fantasy roster. So two big thumbs up there. And the next guy who impressed me a lot was uh, Elias Pettersson. On the hardest shot, he had over a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot. Who would have thought that this skinny little twig from Sweden, but weighing about a buck fifty at most, would punch down a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot? And we've seen guys like Ekblad unable to do that in the past. So really, really cool. Those guys uh, surprised me as well. Uh, from what I hear, it was a pretty good event. And uh, that's about uh, all my takeaways there, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to add on to the hardest shot conversation, seeing Shea Weber take home another hardest shot crown was pretty cool, uh, especially when it looked sort of over the past couple of years like he might not make it back to the All-Star game. Uh, I would have loved to see them bring Zidano back to see them go head-to-head, but unfortunately, uh, we didn't get that. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, I only really watched the skills competition, not the not the three-on-three game on Sunday, but uh, the women's three-on-three game was pretty incredible. Um, there was this one move by uh, Lamarode Davidson, which was just unbelievable. Uh, almost got me out of my seat there, uh, which I didn't think could happen on a little all-stars skills competition. So um, that that was those were my takeaways, I think, from, from the weekend in general. Yeah, honestly, uh, having watched both events, passively albeit, uh, did not enjoy the skills at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought the, I thought the fastest. I th- yeah, I'm sorry, boys. I mean, the skills competition's really messed up now. I, I think they got to do something. Uh, mm. Even the fastest skater to me, I, I wasn't even all that invested in. The goalie street competition went way too long. Uh, the hardest shot, I wasn't all that into. The women's game, thank God for that, because for once we had something competitive going on during a very you know non-competitive evening. Mm. Um, and man, that stand, the shooting in the stands competition, oh, fucking I think, I think so it was a dumb. failure. The fact you set up all these little targets and then this big arc in center ice, of course, everyone's just going to go for the arc. So it becomes yeah. a competition where they're all just shooting for the arc. Yeah. And it, 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 it's just, it's just stupid. No, it, like Mitch Marner and Kane going at it, at, like shooting at these arcs. I thought it was just really dumb. And, uh, you know, Maguire interviewing them and... <laughs> It was I. I thought the I thought the whole night nothing clicked for me. I, I I do like the women's game. I think they make that an annual thing. I think they maybe you know change a few things. Maybe heck, give them more time. Don't do the the continuous time. Give them stoppage time. Let let them have a everything you can do to have them have a competitive game as if it was the Olympics, like simulated. Mm. Do it. And, 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 you know, either do it at the end, the beginning, the middle, I don't care, but, but have that there. And then they got to do, they got to revamp everything else because something's got to change here. Did you have it on? Like, were you watching it? I, well, it was the night of the Saginaw game. And then I got back ah. and I watched, I, I skipped through the commercials, hmm. watched through it. And I, I was just bored. <clears throat> I, I don't think it clicks. I, I, I think yeah. something about the hockey skills competition, I think it's gone down in quality. Like I, 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 I don't know how to explain it. 
the save streak is just way too long yeah. as well. It was just... I was shocked they let every goalie have a streak. At first, I was like, okay, it's just going to be four goalies, one from each side. They had all eight goalies do the save streak. I watched I watched the first one, and then uh, I was at the Saginaw game as well, so I started to skip through the rest of them, and I was shocked when it took me like maybe five minutes of actual time just to skip through this save streak competition. I think it took up an hour of the All-Star Skills competition. And, uh, and then, yeah... Now, you guys didn't quite get into this, but the All-Star game, I thought, was a nice... It brought it back to... to it was a successful weekend because of the game. I thought the third and the final game was very competitive. Uh, seeing, I think it was Atlantic against Pacific Division. That was a really good matchup. Among the standouts for me, um, David Riddick was fantastic in goal. I have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, who really stood out to me. Don't forget about Quinn Hughes. He had a very good game. Uh, Hurdle had a fantastic game, only to get injured a few days later, which I, I found very funny. But he was really good in that game. Um, Drysaddle, McDavid were great, obviously. The Brett Hull commentary, I know we talked a little bit about that off the air. That was very comedic. It was nice bringing the celebrities in. Pam, John Ham. that was nice. Brings a little levity to the game. Um Green Day as a Green Day fan, Kyle. Did you did you approve of the Green Day concert? The best part of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I liked how they 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 started outside, then they moved inside. Uh, it was a very cool little uh, concert. My question is this: Were the f bombs pre planned? Did they go in here? Saying, <laughs> I don't think so. How do we make a splash? <laughs> what I heard was that uh, the NHL strictly forbade them from using any f bombs, and uh, that. Billy Billy Joe didn't take too kind kindly to that. So I think th- I think they were planned That's as a awesome. little bit of a fuck you to the NHL. So Batman's just kicking himself in the background. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's funny because the, their relationship with the NHL goes way back cuz cuz like, like 4 years ago <laughs> there was the uh the World Cup of Hockey and the yeah. Killers were going to open up the event and then Green Day was going to close the event on and the we, second day. On the second day, and yeah. we had all the we had all we had all bought in tickets for the Killers. They were fantastic. No regrets there. Kyle was the only one who bought Green Day tickets because he's a huge Green Day fan, and they canceled on him. Yeah. So what happened was, and we we got really lucky that day because because of my jersey, they put us into the VIP section, and we did the Killers concert. And it was fantastic. The crowd wasn't a great crowd, so no, none of us like we were loving it, but everyone else was like, you know, uh, not that super into it yeah and i think what happened was the killers called up green day or their people called their people like man i don't know about this one just just don't go so green day calls in sick to the fucking concert i'm like my favorite band ever in a hockey event this is bullshit and now here they get their second chance second chance and they and they blew it stick it to the nhl yeah and it's the first of all it's kind of a weird partnership and then i saw like I don't know. It, it's weird. It's weird. They're they're an old band. They're still trying to pump out new music. I've heard the album. The it's new album. A great they're album. trying to promote the new album. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it, it's cool. I like that they're doing it, but I think that the F-bomb thing was awesome. Like, they're just so yeah. old school in that way. That's very cool. Yeah. Like I said, the game, the game's a mainstay. Ever since the change to three-on-three, it's a success. Keep doing what you're doing. Do the two games and then the third game. Have them be an hour each. Get a band to come in at the end of the two games while they rest. It's it's a great format. So keep the game as is. Get the women's game more integrated into the skills comp. And uh, and I think they'll have themselves a good weekend moving forward. So all in all, I, I think it was, it was a great host. 
And I think next year is going to be good because it's in a Southern market. It's in uh, Florida, I believe. And that means Crosby's going to want to go. Obi's yeah. going to want to go. Everybody's going to want to go because they're not shivering their asses off in St. Louis. Right. So uh, speaking of the game though, what did you think of the little Kachuk dry sidle uh, moment? Yeah. So they, uh, they kind of put it behind them or no, like they, they wouldn't celebrate together. Right. So like, yeah, they, they make a passing play together and then they just wouldn't sell together. Um, that was kind of odd. Uh, I got to jump. I love this from yeah. Drysidel. I love this competitive fire about him because even even before the the game, he was interviewed. Uh, what if you you and you know Kachuk set up each other? He's like, I'm not going to celebrate with him, or mm-hmm. he said something like that. Like, I'm not going to care. I, I won't even touch him. Like, I love this. He like it's it's team first and stupid all star shit second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's awesome. The rivalry is alive. And that's our next topic. That's our next actually. topic. Great segue, Kyle. Um, it was, hey, fans were knew they were going to be in for a treat after the events of last game and the and the whole, uh, you know, Kachuk and Cassian feud. They were going to get together the following Wednesday after the, the All-Star break, and then they were going to have a back-to-back a game on Saturday. And uh, basically, I mean, between the two games, I mean... You, I don't know where to start. I mean, you had the, you had the goalie fight. I believe that was, that was on the Saturday. Um, what happened on the Wednesday game? You guys, you guys rejig my memory here. So the Wednesday game, uh, it was oh, Riddick, it was a lot tighter. It was the shootout. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, and on top of that, there were there were a couple fights. The first one between Nuge and Monahan, right. which just sort of felt like a preliminary card to to the main draw. Um, but. Then, then Cassian just uh, making making Kachuk wait a little bit before actually engaging him in, in a fight, uh, which I loved. I loved that little mind game, just yeah, yeah, keeping him on his toes. Yeah, that that was really cool. But I I think I think there was almost a bit of like they put it behind them after that game because yeah. Kachuk did step up and mm-hmm. there was a mutual respect. Like Kachuk almost or Cassian almost gave him a bit of a nod after the fight, as in like, yeah. okay, I do have respect <clears> for you now. Uh, even though you were a shit last game, but like after that fight, Kachuk got it pretty good. He got he got a couple you know hooks in there, but um, honestly, I have more respect for the kid after doing that. It wasn't just a pussy where he put his head down the whole time. Like it was a solid tilt. Mm-hmm. Um, Nuge and the other fight was meh. Like Nuge isn't a fighter, so like I I didn't really expect that. But the <laughs> the fact the game was so darn competitive, you know, the fact that Edmonton came back to tie it and it went to a shootout. And and the whole David Riddick, which as a goalie, I love that. Oh, uh, fantastic! Kyle, I know would hate that this, if somebody did that to him. This to me is almost bigger than the than the Kachuk and Cassian mm-hmm. thing. The stick flip and and eyeing down the Edmonton <laughs> bench, and you can tell they're pissed to shit. Next game, they light him up, <laughs> and 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 you know they're giving it to him as he's, as he's getting pulled. As he's so, skating So off. Riddick gets pulled. They're giving it to him, and then um, and then Talbot gets into the fight so Riddick has to go back <laughs> and in I thought that was a great storyline he's like keep keep flicking your stick buddy you yeah. stupid fuck so that was awesome I thought that was just one of the, and Cassian scored in that game so yeah. he, he ended up having a good long laugh about that but one underrated thing about this matchup here we talk about Cassian and Kachuk and all that but is this a Giordano McDavid thing going to become some sort of problem? Because all of a sudden Giordano's become he's looking more and more like a criminal as this series goes on. Like he had a a a, a play there when I I messaged you right away. Giordano's a fucking 
bitch because he because he did something really dirty to McDavid, like held his leg down. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just watched this documentary where you were really apologetic and you were trying to get out of this limelight. And all of a sudden you're looking like a real criminal here. He was in the documentary. He was. And and we'll get into that soon. But uh, all of a sudden you've got this guy, this well-respected guy looking like he's trying to take shots at, at McDavid, like in a dirty way. So I'm like, this series, if we ever get a playoff series, it could get so fucking ugly and it, it could get so amazing at the same time. Well, ju- uh, just to rejog everyone's memory, I, I believe it was a play where he was kind of flat-footed and McDavid was about to get by him and yeah. he stuck out his knee to <clears throat> potentially get in the way of McDavid and Oof. basically connected knee on knee. Thank God McDavid was okay. Um, but it could have been a very dangerous play. Well, and uh, after the play, you saw McDavid just giving yeah. it to the refs on the bench. Which you never see. Which, yeah. And it makes me think, because now McDavid's out for a long time with uh, with a quad injury, but it makes me think that he was actually originally injured on that play, not to the point where he couldn't play through it. But um, because you never see McDavid get that angry on the no. bench. Uh, so both both the the play by Gio and then the the play against the predators which ended up knocking McDavid out long term mm-hmm. were to the knee he had injured uh in the previous year on another play by Giordano um but i just think i think looking back on it uh with the benefit of hindsight that he may have initially injured his leg on that Giordano play hmm. interesting isn't that something eh <clears throat> how it causes the injury and yet he's in that documentary now I want to watch it even more. You've, you've got to watch this documentary, Nick, and I'll give you a very short Coles notes is that that play that we saw at the end of last year, it, it messed his knee up in so many, so many ways. And essentially what happened was the doctors, he went to see three different doctors. The, the, at the end of the day, they said, you need surgery like yesterday. Any, any, any person on earth, we'd say have surgery like yesterday to repair this and we're talking plates and screws in the best player's knee right so that's very scary it's not a good thing um what he ended up doing was getting a third opinion in la and that guy said potential to rehab this so by any work 10 hours a day seven days a week whatever doing all kinds of crazy stuff some miracle happened and his knee ended up getting right right on time for the season opener mm-hmm. Um, now I'm not an expert on injuries, but I do know a couple thing, a, a thing or two. Uh, when you have an injury in a certain part of the body, the body does its best to kind of compensate in certain ways. It tries to protect that area a little bit. So there's going to be a little bit of imbalances in the rest of his body for, you know, for the next few years. And this quad injury could be the first of maybe a couple nagging things down the road that will show up. And who knows if it even is a quad injury. Maybe it is knee-related, and they're just trying to keep it as quiet as possible because they don't want that shit getting out. They're so secret over the summer, none of us knew what was going on. So there's this cloud of, uh, of unknown and this cloud of mystery under, this, under McDavid, which is very, very frightening to me. Anytime there's a little bit of swelling in that area, that is super scary, and I, I hope we're not seeing uh, anything re-aggravated there. So, I mean, we talked about the little rivalry. They do have one more game left. It's the last game of the season, so that'll be interesting to see if that has any playoff implications. Um, but given we now know the McDavid injury is at least two to three weeks, 
given the very recent news of Zach Cassian suspension with the kick, you know, we oh, don't really, we don't, God. you know, we, we can, I'm sure we all kind of share the same opinion there. Like you just can't be doing silly stuff like that. And hence the seven games, seven games. That's a long suspension given these the standards, you know? So with, 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 uh, with them out two to three weeks, how do you guys see this uh, changing their playoff chances and the implications? Well, I think uh, coming out of the Battle of Alberta, both Edmonton and Calgary took a hit. I mean, Hamannick and Giordano right. are out now. Uh, I think after the Battle of Alberta, they both were both teams were flat in their next couple of games. Okay. And so I think that with some major injuries to both teams, um, we might see a game between them at the end of the season, which has serious playoff implications because it seems like they're both limping towards the playoffs right now. And that uh, the Pacific Division and the Western Conference is so tight right now. I think um, I think the eighth spot is held down by Arizona, who is three points up on a team that has like three games in hand on them. Um, and so anything can really happen out west, and. Uh, I think Edmonton might be looking at another lottery pick this year if McDavid's out long term and with the with the Cassian suspension. They might be looking at a lottery pick. Yeah. Okay. I think I think they Yeah, well I guess if you're not in the playoffs, you're at the you're kinda of at the fifteen, sixteen range, right? <clears throat> and with the West Yeah. With with the West so close, uh, if they go on a, even a slight slump, they're you know all of a sudden sitting at the bottom of the West. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. Like the way I see it, and we're not getting into predictions here. We'll we'll get there. We'll cross that bridge after the deadline. But I I just to me there's like two teams kind of trending in the right direction, and it's Vancouver and it's Vegas, right? Like I don't see those teams stepping down. Vancouver because they don't really have injuries right now. Like everyone's healthy. And everyone's doing well, whereas you can't say the same about Calgary and Edmonton. And then Vegas, because they've gotten the push, they've gotten the new coach, the mastermind, of course. Uh, they they seem to be picking it up here. They're healthy as well. It's going to come down, you know. And then and then of course uh, Calgary, Edmonton have the injuries, and then and then Arizona just can't figure themselves out. So it, it, it's going to be fascinating. <laughs> which, which, out. which of those three, you know, make 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 it here. Let, let me paint the picture. Or more. Or more. Yeah. I, I got it here in front of me. So in the Pacific, we're talking Edmonton, 66 points. Mm-hmm. Vegas, 66 points. Calgary, 66 points. Oh <laughs> Arizona, 64 points. And Winnipeg outside of wildcard at 63. Um, now, Edmonton has played 57 games uh, and Vegas has played 59. They got two games in hand on Vegas and Calgary has played 59 as well. So Edmonton right now is in the driver's seat in number two in the Pacific. But again, they've, they're all locked at 66. This could go so many ways. Um, that being said, I, I'll go, I'll, I'll say this. I've, we, I've seen a fight out of Edmonton that they haven't had in recent years. I think they're, they're so caught up in this emotional season. It's been such an up and down year, so many storylines. And I think that they know for them not to make it this year would be a, a huge blow to the psyche. Um, if they can find a way to slippery slide their way into this thing without Connor for the next, call it three weeks, I think you have to look at Drysidle and just take all your hats and clothes off and say, this guy is the Hart Trophy front runner. He has been stupid, stupid good. At 
maybe for most of it, he's been the best player on the team. And thank goodness they've had Yamamoto mm-hmm. slide in and be a, a key figure. That guy flies out there. He can really fly around the zone. So he solidified that second line as uh, the new dry sidle Yamamoto line as a really, really solid, competent line. So if they can hold it down until Connor and some of their other injuries come back, just hold on for dear life. I think that this could be a, a team that could be uh, that could be pretty scary. I'm just so like the next three weeks. I want to see them right, like find a way to right this ship. Because like I look at, stop talking about top six. Like talk like all, they have a top three and a bottom nine right now. Like their bottom three lines: second line Gagne, Haas, and Chiasan. Third line Sheehan, Archibald, and Benson. Fourth line Cave, Russell, and Kajara. Like I don't even I don't want. I'll be honest. I don't watch a lot of Edmonton, but. If you're fielding those three lines and they got to eat up a lot of minutes because you can't have dry sidles line out there every night, like, I hope to God they can just survive. Play 500 hockey, just 400 hockey for the next, like, three weeks. Just try to survive here. Well, and I think as we approach the trade deadline, we might finally see Puliyarvi moved. Because I think that you have to try to bring in some help. If you're serious about playoffs, you got to try to bring in some help. He's a guy who's already expressed he's not coming back to the team. And although Holland has said he's not changing up the plan, I don't think the plan ever the really plan? included Puliyarvi. What's the plan? Is the plan Honestly, rebuild he's or been, is the plan go for the playoffs? He's been really vague about it. I think it's got to yeah. be playoffs because if you're the manager of McDavid, I don't think McDavid's going to take too kindly if you're shipping out assets that can help you yeah which is not that i'm saying puliarvi is but if you're trading for picks that's a bad sign absolutely but i don't think i think if they move puliarvi they're looking to move puliarvi for uh ideally a top six winger you're gonna have to pay a little extra given that i think at this point puliarvi's become a bit of an unknown commodity Mm. um and so I, I think you could see him moved before the deadline and i think uh if you do it's going to be to bring in help to try to push for the playoffs um, especially when, uh, as Kyle said, they're in the driver's seat in that second spot in the Pacific. We'll see how long they're in the driver's seat. It sucks, this situation, because it's not like Pooley has lit up the, the Finnish league where he is. He's done well, but he hasn't lit it up. Like, there's no way this guy's lived up to his potential, and, and a host of reasons could be why, but it like Edmonton got screwed here for this. And yes, I think they rushed him, but... You know, it just sucks for them. But, uh, man, I got to say it again. This this Dreisaitl character, whoever the hell he is, he is probably the best player in the league when Connor is not in. And that's like no one can take that away from him now, especially if he drives this team when G- he's out. German, right? I think he's German. German. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. good, 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 good. <laughs> you um, like your... Uh, I, I oh, like, yeah, yeah. I like, my, I like my German hockey. You're about to be a resident, yeah, aren't yeah, you, yeah, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> um, Excellent. Okay. Uh, with that said, so, so I got, okay. So like final, final little takeaway here without getting too much in predictions, who's the safer bet for the playoffs, Calgary or Edmonton? I mean, I think it's gotta be Edmonton, which, which sucks to say because Calgary, like going into last year, Calgary was the runaway winner of the Pacific. They looked so good, but they have really struggled this year. They just lost two of their top six defenders. Yeah. And I think that uh, it's a lot easier in today's NHL to lose some forwards and make up for it with some depth than it is to lose your defenders and, and uh, keep up with the rest of the pack. Um, so I, I have to go Edmonton as much as I, I maybe want to say Calgary. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm in the minority here. I, I for one, do like Calgary's chances better. I, know, I like I know, David Riddick. I know. Hey, I know. <laughs> I know Giordano doesn't have a timetable, and that kind of scares me. Screw um, him. I'm. I'm not. I'm not too too aware of the Hamannick situation. He is. He is a. He's got no timetable as well. And, and those. Are, yeah, those are two guys Could I really like. So. It's again. It's who writes the ship better without their most finest assets, right? Mm. Um, but to me, I I just see Calgary managing their injuries better. Like I, they still have a top six. You know, they have more depth up front than Edmonton nah. right now in the next three weeks. Yeah. And I think if the goalie can steal some games despite the the, the D being away, I think they'll be just fine. Mm. So I, I I like I like Calgary. I like what Jeff Ward's done. I uh, I would I would be more safe if I had to put money down. They would be my playoff seed, not Edmonton. I'll take Edmonton ten out of ten days okay. of the week, <laughs> seven out of seven perhaps. Uh, and you know what? Uh, since last year, Calgary has become sort of a uh, a joke to me. <laughs> but but see, yeah. I I trust them more to add because here's the thing uh, with Calgary, they they realize this is their shot. Yeah. Like Vancouver, like Edmonton has more of a future. Like their assets are more lo- sought for the long term. They're good assets. They're great assets. Like Evan the Bouchard is one of the best AHL defense for the long term. I agree. But right, Calgary doesn't have that farm system. They have one of the worst farm systems oh, in the league, brutal. if not the worst. Brutal. They know this is it. After yeah. last year's debacle against Colorado, I just trust the more urgent team. If we're just talking this season, I'll put my money behind the more urgent team who yeah. needs results. Uh. And I and I and I trust the the GM there to make more of a a, a statement move than than Edmonton's GM. Yeah, because I, I, this, this Edmonton guy is being too vague. Whereas to me, Calgary, if they don't make a major move at the deadline then that's going to be very concerning. But I do see them making that major move. But I, I don't see any... I don't see Calgary's being more urgent than Edmonton. That's the thing. Their situation? Well, they're, 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 they're in more, more, more win-now mode, but that's just because they, they don't have a win, shitty if system. They don't, if they don't have a good run this year, they're done. Like they're going to dismantle? Yeah. This is yeah. this is everything. I guess. Everything has culminated to this. Like Giordano is only getting older. The Norris Trophy winner has had his best season behind him. And this season's already been elapsed. He's only had like 32 points all year. So like we don't know what the future of him is. And 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 then, and then up front, you don't have a McDavid, right? You you're like I just I I don't Goudreau hasn't had the same season as last year. You're right. If you had him in fantasy, he's had a disappointing year. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so to me, their, their future is a lot more grim and hence they need to go for it this year. So does that change though? If they go out and trade for somebody like Matt Dumba? I mean, it, it means, it means you may have lengthened your window by maybe a year or two, which is nice. You don't want to just put all your chips in this year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're calling in on him. But they probably have a lower prospect pool to give up, right? If, I, if I'm Minnesota, I want the best haul. And, and and so, like, if I'm listening to Toronto, I want, like, Robertson, right? Right? Yeah, Calgary, yeah, does, yeah. Calgary doesn't have a Robertson to give up. No. That's their problem. So they're not getting dumb. I'd be mm. shocked if they get dumb. Calgary's got nothing to give. That's my concern. They, they need to add, but I don't know what you give other than what's already on your roster. That's fair. You know what I'd love to see? And this is a total fantasy situation. Uh, I would love to see Calgary bring back the double Dion for a little bit of a run here. I think... Right. I think what's he been doing though? So I have no idea. Southern California tanning. Like what's I, he doing? he's still, he hasn't retired. So I don't know whether he's still looking for a shot. Uh, I'd love to see Phaneuf 
you know, come back into to a team and just fill some like yeah. bottom pair minutes mm-hmm. uh, just to see the guy play again. But um, I don't think it's likely. No, as yeah. somebody who watched those King games intensively, that man is does not belong in this league anymore. I, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had Jonathan Quick on my fantasy team, and every time I had Fnuf on the ice, I was shivering in my boots because I didn't know what <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen. So no, I've seen enough of Fnuf, and I don't I don't see him coming back. As much as you want to live no, that fantasy, no redemption, no no redemption, no redemption. for Dion Fnuf. No. <clears throat> yeah, Calgary. Oh, you said it yourself. Calgary, they don't have the they assets. They got a pick, probably, right? I assume they have their 2020 pick? I think so. I think so. So they got but that. That's valuable. Like, 2020, that's that's more valuable than it would be usually, but... It's a, yeah, they're a non-lottery team right. for the 2020 pick. Yeah. Give, give a third well, rounder with it, and maybe you get a decent asset. It, but here's, here's the problem with that is, like, Pittsburgh has set such a luxurious market for we'll scorers. Get into that. I yeah. know, but it just means that other teams will outbid Calgary very easily. So they'll have a hard time getting... Yeah. They're, they're one of my... You know, like, they're one of those teams going to the deadline. I want to know what they do, and they yeah. will be a major loser of the deadline if the GM just puts his feet up and is passive and thinks his team can go on a run. Because if he thinks that, the same thing as last year is just going to happen, right? The issue is, if you look at their forward depth, that uh, what they need to bring in is a defenseman, and the price on those is going to be too high, right? So if you do make a move, you're probably overpaying. If your farm team isn't good, do you trade futures? Um, I don't know. I just And there's some good defensemen yeah, on the board this year. Like it's a, it's a surprisingly like usually there's only like one D-man at every deadline everyone's around. I can off the top of my head name like five that are talent very talented D-men that you need to add. Uh, we're talking obviously Minnesota's got Dumba Brodeen. Uh, San Jose has a man by the name of Brendan Dillon who's very good. Alec Martinez in LA is very good. Petrie Petrie in Montreal all of a sudden is probably on the board. DeMello. So serious, serious D-men, and I see a lot of action happening. Yeah. All but right. you're bidding with, you know, your Torontos, right? Your, yeah. Your, yeah. You know, Boston seemingly always adds a D at the deadline. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like they always add a D. Like it's P- just, Pittsburgh's yeah. not done, I don't think, either. No, I think they're no. looking for a D. Yeah. No. So, yeah, going to be very fascinating, but of course... I assume next episode will will it will be past the deadline and we'll get to dissect that. So much to look forward to there. Okay, oh, yeah. talking about trades, the trades. Maple Leafs, the Maple Leaf segment Ooh. of the show. Oh my God, they made a deal. Hold on the, to something. There was a fire. <laughs> there was a fire in the city of Toronto after their five-three yeah. loss to the New York Rangers on a Wednesday night. Hutchinson put up another leg. It's it, an egg. It started. It started against Florida on a Monday night when uh, Florida came back from a, what was it like a four-one deficit or something, and they came back to tie the game. Hutchinson had a brutal, brutal third period. Um, I mean, just terrible. Terrible game against Florida. They cost costed the Leafs two huge points in the standings, and and then and then they yeah. they keep Massive. the ball with him. They they keep him running going into the New York game at MSG, and yet again you you know the play where he loses his stick is, is late going down to that shot beats him five hole. Not even a nice shot either. It was no. just a, a pitiful performance, and to nobody's surprise, an hour after the game, it's announced that they've made a deal. With the L.A. Kings. Whoa. Again, another L.A.-Toronto connection. This, of Whoa. course, stemming from the, the Jake Muzzin move last year. Uh, this time, Kyle Dubas hooks up with Rod Blake yet again. Um, and we have ourselves a Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford trade to the Toronto Maple Leafs 
for Trevor Moore, a third-round pick in the 2020 draft, and a third-round pick in the 2021 draft. Did I get that right? Yeah. Uh, Where is the condition? Explain the condition. So the third rounder in 2021 becomes a second rounder. Uh, I believe if the Leafs make the playoffs and Jack Campbell wins six games, not in the playoffs, but in the regular season, or if Kyle Clifford resigns. Okay. So first question, A, what do you think? Who is Jack Campbell? What do you know of Jack Campbell? B, with that in mind, did you like the trade? I I loved the trade uh, because I think Jack Campbell... um, is the type of goaltender who's gone through a similar path to what you see a lot of these 26 to 28-year-old goaltenders go through, which just has helped to build character. Um, Highly touted going into his draft year, gets drafted and uh, by the Dallas Stars, and after underperforming for them in the AHL, gets moved to LA, where he then spends, I think, three or four years in the AHL, building up his game before coming into the NHL, thanks to a Jonathan Quick injury in, uh, I think it was 2017, 2018, and putting up stellar stellar numbers. He had a 938 save percentage, I think won like 20 of his 30 starts in, in that year, um, and just, just had an unbelievable year before having a down year uh, last year and this year because of a Kings team in front of him that really has been subpar. Um so you get you get a goaltender who has had some time to develop, uh, has become fairly confident in his game after going through some trials and tribulations, uh, who comes over and then goes 2-0-1 in his first three games in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform. Um, I think Kyle Clifford's really the kicker here. I think uh, Trevor Moore was a top nine forward at best. Um, I don't think he's going he's gonna to become much more than a third liner. Uh Really good player, plays with a bit of an edge, but ultimately uh, lacks size and doesn't have the top-end skill that you really need to be a top-six forward in the league. Um, The possibility of a second and a third seems to be a little much, but uh, getting Kyle Clifford, who adds a little bit of sandpaper to the team, um, knows what it takes to win. Jack Campbell, who has been touted by Jake Muzzin as being the hardest-working LA King when Jake Muzzin was there. Um, and so just adds a little bit of character to the room, which I think was desperately lacking it. You go ahead, Kyle. <clears throat> well, the first thing you got to look at is the face of Kyle Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> Does this guy not look like he wants to butcher your whole yeah. family? Like, holy And I've heard shit. that from a number of people. This guy looks terrifying. Like in jail, no one would fuck with this guy. That is right off the bat a win for Kyle Dubas. He has finally figured it out. <laughs> no, but you know what? This is what I take away from everything Mike said because he did a, a fantastic job summarizing that. The character boost. Everything I've heard from Campbell, even his interviews post-game and all that kind of stuff, the way he talks about his teammates, this guy should win character of the year from what I've heard. Muzzin builds him up on this platform, but all Campbell does is build up, Mitch Marner bought me dinner, and it was unbelievably nice. Like, Campbell, just he's such a nice, good guy, and that is just going to radiate amongst the room. So that's fantastic. No longer do you have a controversy point on your backup goalie he hasn't been like a a world beater when he's come in but you know what he has kept this team afloat they've been pretty darn good winning record wise since he came in a little blip against montreal but hey that's montreal for you um not even a blimp he was fantastic no yeah he was very good just he didn't get the win but everything else has come up really good for him yeah and and it's been it's been awesome so 
excellent, I say A-plus by Kyle Dubas. You gave up more, but who fucking cares? You've got tons of offensive forwards. It's, this is a no-brainer, so 100% win. You needed to, to do this. Should have done it a while ago, to be honest. So my take is, do you ever have that feeling when you're on top of something before everybody else is? And then everyone discovers that thing, and then you feel shitty because you're no longer this expert who knew about this little secret. That's mm. how I felt after this trade. Really? Because everyone came calling to me, being the LA Kings fan, going, who's this Campbell? Who's the soup man? Who's Campbell? And I just go back to last year, October, I got on a Greyhound from Kingston and went to Ottawa to see LA Ottawa. And wow, that's Quick, sad. Quick did, not get, Quick did not get the start. It was Jack Campbell getting the start that game. And I zoned in on Jack Campbell. And there's certain things you pick up at a live game. You don't get it on a TV, right? And you can go back to the show. This would have been an episode last year where I came calling to Kyle after the game saying, this Jack Campbell is a stud, not only on the ice, but just his character. Little things like after every LA King goal, he would skate right up to the bench. He'd sprint to the bench. And he'd do a high five to every player after they'd score. Something you see in junior hockey. But he was doing it in the NHL. Anytime he'd make a save and the defenseman did a nice job of spacing things out in front of him, he'd give him a nice tap on the, on the shin pads. Little things like that cement what I like to see out of goalies, what I aspire to be a, uh, as a goalie. I loved everything I saw about him. And he went on to have that tremendous season. On a behind a very poor LA Kings team, they the the whole structured defense thing that was out the window last year. This was a new regime, and he somehow had a high like nine high nine twenty save percentage. So that was unreal, and of course he had the character. So I was on top of this guy. I had the full scouting report. Everyone comes calling to me, Nick. Who are they getting? And I say this is a huge, huge win uh for the toronto maple leafs i mean of course they gave up trevor moore but the ceiling you know what the ceiling is the third round pick eh, it's a third round pick the reality is you got a top-notch asset here not only on the ice but off the ice and no more question marks now the players can go out on a back-to-back and feel confident play their loose style and not feel like shit they can give Freddie a rest on a non-back-to-back and just have him play like uh, like they did this week. Um, like tonight's game in, in, in Ottawa. They're starting him on the front half of the back-to-back. That's not something you saw before. So everything's kind of culminated here to just be to be a fantastic move for Dubas. I'm glad. It shouldn't have happened in the first place. They should have went with McElhenney instead of Sparks going back to two years ago. But he's resolved the situation to the best of his ability and he found the right man for the job. So... As, as the LA Kings fan here, I'm giving a big applaud to Kyle Dubas. Well, and you just think back to the talks about Georgiev, where it was any team that's going to you know pull Georgiev from the Rangers is going to need to give up a top six forward, probably a first or a second round draft pick. And Stupid, nobody, yeah. nobody was really talking about going out and getting Jack Campbell. And then I think the first time I heard the media talk about it was the night that the trade was made. And it was Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet... Uh, talking during the intermission about who you need to go out and get if you're getting a backup goaltender. Mm-hmm. And he said, I like Jack Campbell. Um, but prior to that, it was always Georgiev, 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 and uh, which just makes this trade seem even better in my books because they went out, got a, somebody who is great for the room, has had a great uh, season, as Nick said, is a stud, and um, they didn't have to pay the price that the Rangers were asking. And he's young. So, so if he is young... 
Kyle, you're a guy who follows the World Juniors every year. Do yeah, you remember the World Junior team the U.S. assembled that year when he was in goal? He was yeah. a, he was like the nightmare for Team Canada, like three straight World Juniors. They kept sending Campbell back, and he was amazing in that tournament. And well, that was like 07. That's why it's so hard to remember. It was so, so fucking he's 28. long ago. That's, that's fine. That he's yeah. got he's got a goalie. Yeah, goalies, so he's not goalies, young. Don't, goalies don't age like skaters, though. You can't like, call him young, though. You can be 33 and be a solid goalie. Sure you can. So, like... I'm just saying, like, if, if they can't resolve the Freddie contract in two years with the way their cap space is all tied up and stuff, there's a chance Freddie Anderson isn't a part of the Toronto Maple Leafs in three years. Come on. And you, I'm just saying, if Don't that, play me if, like this. He's not, that, he's not like a number one goalie. Up, if that comes up because their money is so tied up. We got the Riley contract expiring. They're apparently going to extend Muzzin in a few days. So with all that said, and, and, and the future cap-wise being kind of murky for the Leafs, I love the fact you have him ready there to being groomed to be a potential starter. And then you can move up whatever, because they have a ton of prospects. Justin Wall or exactly. uh, And then you segue Scott. them into the backup role. Mm-hmm. So for once, it looks like the future is just very bright from the goaltending position. Well, and just along the Freddie Anderson lines, I think uh, if Freddie comes looking for money, it's not even like uh, you want to keep him around at that point, and and you're gonna be pay as much as you can. It's just that you're gonna be you're gonna be handcuffed by the cap. Also, with how Freddie's been playing recently, I think there there have been some questions starting to arise in Leafs Nation as to the longevity of this goaltender and the long term, uh, his long term future with the team. I uh, well I. I see Freddie as a guy who, at many points this season, has just been the savior of this team for a lot of it. For a lot of it. But cap uh, is the cap. But I, I feel like he's just being run ragged, you know? Yeah. And, and he's 30 years old now. I'm just looking that up. He's 30 years old. He's going to be asking for a boatload. The Bobrovsky so, contract has mucked everything up. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's not the, aging the ceil- well. You don't know. Like, now the ceiling is so high where, like... You you the goalie can ask anywhere from five million to ten million, and you won't you won't be surprised whatever figure he pulls up his ass. So if Freddie keeps up this Vezina campaign, because he was doing great, and 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 I I see him continuing to be, to be great. His work ethic is fantastic. If he can look at Carey Price, he can look at at Bobrovsky and be like, hey, I deserve at least like eight million on my next contract. But you better give me that. And I don't know if the Leafs are going to want to do that. I for one wouldn't as I see I see if I'm a GM and I'm allocating money amongst my goalies I rather just give guy one guy like 2 mil the other guy like 2 mil and that's it that's all my goalie money and it's like the uh, one of the trends we're seeing in the recent couple of years is you don't need that stud all-star Vesna goalie yeah. anymore like when Pittsburgh rode Matt Murray a very young goalie yeah. to the to the finals Bennington just did it Pittsburgh might be using Tristan Jari this year He's fucking making nearly league minimum pretty right. much. So it's like you don't want this fucking stud, Carey Price, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, no. unless it's way down the road, they're prime aged, and like the cap has gone up enough where it's it's okay. But, I mean, to pay Freddie Anderson all this money when you're already paying the other guys is a wacky concept. And, and it's also nice having two guys who can play because then one's always pushing the other. So for Freddie Anderson, he's been sagging a little now, and Campbell's been fantastic. If I'm Freddie Anderson, I know I'm Freddie Anderson, but I'm a little nervous that he might be cutting into my playing time. As a goalie, you just naturally think that way. You want every start every night, even though it might 
you know, potentially hurt you. But in this case, they're going to push each other. And I think that attitude is something Freddie's never had before with all the shitty backups the Leafs have assembled, whether it be Sparks or, you know, Hutchison, Cascasuo. So I think now, uh, you know, having this little battle, this internal competition, you look at Washington, you know, Holpe and, and, and Samsonov, or sorry, it was Grubauer and Holpe who were fighting. Holpe yeah. lost his job. Uh, Crawford lost his job to uh, to the goal, to backup then when when they when uh, was it Niemi at the time? Yeah, it was Niemi. Yeah. So having that internal competition, we see it with Pittsburgh now. Kyle can allude to this. Jari and, and, and Murray. Murray was the guy, and now Jari's come out of nowhere, dethroned him, and you have this fun little competition going. And Pittsburgh's, you know, their goaltending's been great this year. So so so. You want that internal competition. It's always so much better to have that than just anointing some guy the number one, like Bobrovsky, and then he lays an egg, and then you don't know what to do. Well, and if you anoint a guy number one, you have to pay them all that much exactly. more, right? You uh, only have stuff to lose by anointing a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you literally get nothing out of it than making the guy feel good. Well, the one thing I will say, though, going back to Kyle's point about how uh, the way the league's trending, you don't necessarily need a stud in that. The way the Leafs play, you need a stud in that. And so uh, unless they deal with the defense situation, I can't see a scenario where Freddie becomes expendable. And I think losing him will, will be an issue. But if you can't pay him and he's not expendable, it's going to be a big loss for the team in a couple of years. Uh, Jack Campbell comes in as a possible at least gap stop and maybe somebody as a holdover for one of your younger guys coming out of the uh, farm system. You did, Kyle? Uh, yeah, just quick uh, question for the masses. Is Kyle Dubas done? And if not, no, what, absolutely uh, what's not. his next he, move? He can't be done. He can't put his feet up here. Uh, you I never mean, know. We're talking, I still think, I still think they're looking for a defenseman, don't you, Michael? Yeah, I, I think they're, they're, they're definitely looking for the D. We've heard the Dumba rumors. Um, I think they're looking for a guy more like that than like an Alec Martinez. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they could use... I don't know if they need help up front, but I, I think everyone's been talking about the Kapanen trade, right? The Kapanen or the Janssen. Nodsen's injured now, so he's yeah. eight weeks. So, so there goes that possibility. Uh, A couple days ago. Yeah, really recently. Surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so at this point, he's not a trade chip. So you're only so Kapanen's kind of the only guy there. And, no, and that, that lessens the likelihood of that, too. They're yeah. still in a yeah, I think, uh, but I, I don't think Dubas is done. I don't think he'd be shy to move some of the future prospects. Like, maybe not Robertson. I don't think, du- Dubas has less attachment to the Lamorello prospects, though. So, yeah, like a Bracco might get moved. A Timoshev might get moved. Um, Kapanen might be gone if uh, if they think somebody's ready to step up. And I think Engvall has been pretty good. When's the uh, McKayev back? Uh, he has started skating again. Um, I, th- I believe they're hopeful that'll be back by March. And I, same with Riley he comes back. I think they're going to go on a roll. Yeah. They I, were doing so well until he got injured. Like he was doing great. And then ever since, I think you can, you can trace the Leafs run, like the collapse ever since he got injured. He had that creepy injury. I really think so. I think him and Muzzin went down around the same time and mm. It was like you lost a character guy who is solid on the defensive end in Muzzin and somebody who brought quite a bit of energy to the Two-way front end. Two-way game was fantastic. Yeah. 
And we've like never really seen much of him and Engvall on the ice at the same time, like together. Mm-hmm. So to have both of those guys as assets, like integrate into your lineup, I like, I think that'll be great. Yeah. Well, I think and- you could trade Kapanen. I, I think you could trade Kapanen and not really be that concerned, especially because Keith is literally double shifting Matthews like every other shift in the third period. Like it's crazy what he's doing with, with his top with his top line. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Dubas hasn't been shy to make a move, right? I mean, he's, he's playing the NHL like it's a video game right now. That's really what he's doing. Uh, and I think after... After what I see as a bit of a failure of a trade in bringing Barry in, because although Barry's been good, he hasn't lived up to expectations, I wouldn't be surprised if if you look at... I don't think he moves Barry out quite yet, but uh, looks to bring in a different right-shot defenseman to possibly fill that void that Barry was supposed to. Yeah, I don't think you move Barry just because like, you are, despite the fact it's been a disappointment, he still would dr- dramatically... To, he would make your team worse. He is trading him would not make your team better. I don't care what the piece is. You're better off keeping him and bringing in somebody else to support him. So, I agree. Make make the move for the D. I don't think they need help up front. Uh, they address the backup. I see them making one move for a D. Maybe it won't be Dumba. Maybe it won't be a big name. But they'll need somebody to eat those you know minutes that CC wasn't able to eat before he got injured. Right. So. Um, like who do they have right now? Like Marinson is like their sixth D right now. They have Lilligren playing right with Sandine, which mean, honestly, he's been okay. Yeah. I've, I've loved the pairing just because I think that, uh, I think Keith has used Lilligren yeah. sparingly. Um, but when he's been on, he's looked good. Yeah. Um, as far as somebody to keep an eye out for, I don't know if Anaheim moves him, but, uh, I think Josh Manson, right. I think might yeah, be on I, the, might I be on the block. want to move him. Yeah. Do not want to move that. So then that that might nix it, but um, that that was sort of the name that was being tossed around a little earlier on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, stay tuned to that TSN trade bait board because they're updating <laughs> it seemingly every day, and new guys are popping up. So, uh, with that said, we'll move on to a uh, little personal experience of mine. Ooh. Uh, Jack Campbell made his debut. It was a Friday night game against the Anaheim Ducks. They just got out of that game, uh, winning five four. Uh, Anaheim. They had a. They had basically. You know, he played a solid game. They scored kind of a fluky goal at the end to tie the game up. It shouldn't have gone in. All in all, wasn't a great debut for Campbell, um, but he did get the win nonetheless. And that kind of segues into my next topic, which of course was my trip to the Bell Center in Montreal. So the following mm. Saturday, uh, me and from some friends from Kingston made the short drive over. To, to the to the city of Montreal, you know, say what you want, beautiful, not beautiful. We were kind of meh about the city. Sure, I don't know what you think, Kyle, but You're I was very meh. Um, and uh, you know, we were there for one night to tune into the game. We had tickets. We bought them well back in September. And um, you know, after uh, after a nice afternoon of getting some uh, some sandwiches at the award winning Schwartz's Deli, there, um, we uh, we made our way to the Bell Center and. Man, I mean, just to get this off the top, what a great, great arena. It's, it's situated right in the heart of downtown, very accessible, um, great statues out front honoring their history. I'd never seen so much honor for a team's history than at the Bell Center. You can see they're just clearly proud of it. You know, statues of the great Rocket Richard, you know, outside, uh, just things like that. I mean, and of course, the atmosphere was Leafs and Habs on a Saturday night. So you had 50% Leaf fans, 50% Hab fans. 
exchanges ongoing, uh, chance you'd go from Go Leafs Go to Go Habs Go, Go Leafs Go to have like just being there. Not only like hearing it on the TV is one thing, but being there and being involved in it is another. And just it was great. Like Kyle, they let us. We were in the nosebleeds, mm. but if you show up. 45 minutes before and you go to a certain section in the 100 level they let you go down right to the glass and watch warm-ups the wow. whole warm-ups and all five of us got to be right next to the glass and watch the leafs warm up in their zone for the whole 30 minutes for free it was incredible it's crazy and you got to see everything from you know the matthews shot to pierre angval's long neck <laughs> everything was on display and 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 campbell looked comfortable in that i just looked at him and i was like this guy's gonna have a great game just looking at him right now. This guy looks in the zone. And uh, and sure enough, he did. Uh, he had a great game. He was the Leafs star of the game. Um, you know, they had they kind of ran out of gas, which you'd expect on a back-to-back. I believe they it took him 17 minutes to record a shot in that third period. Came back to bite them. They pissed away the lead. Yes. A point shot by Scandella. Terrible third. Yeah, terrible, terrible third, third. Terrible third. Uh, point shot by Scandella beat Campbell five-hole. He mm-hmm. knew he should have had it. And, uh, of course, the overtime get game winner uh, by Ilya Kovalchuk doing the classic point oh. to what was believed to first be Mark Bergevin, which is kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> that would be wacky. But, but was, of course, his, his son in the box. He had his family over for the weekend. So, mm. um, yeah, the game aside, I mean, the, the, game, the game was the game. I didn't read too much from it. I mean, it, it was a loss of the Leafs, but they still got three or four points in that back-to-back. And Montreal, as the more desperate team, as I expected they'd be, got the win and you saw that in the third period but all in all if you have not been to the bell center you are i i now see what everyone's talking about as an arena you need to go to of all the nhl arenas like I, i've been up to about six seven nhl arenas spanning from you know toronto ottawa montreal to you know california uh and florida and <coughs> This, this was really something. I mean, the way the red, the sea of red seats around the ice, just aesthetically how it looks, the way they dim the lights all, at all the seating. So you just see the white ice standing out. It's a very nice contrast they put together. The mm-hmm. anthem singer, the post-game or the pre-game presentation, uh, no one does it better with the highlight packs and the fire. And after the game with that French Canadian voice who, who introduces the players when they do the three stars. Oh, he's good. Carey Price was the first star of that game. Um, fantastic. Like master class organization, how to run a game. The one disappointing part, the Bell Center hot dogs. Oh God. They are, they are hyped around the whole league. Like they, I read an article on the athletic. It took me like 15 minutes to read. It was so long. Just talking about the hot dogs at the Bell Center, how historically good there are teams after games will order 150 of them to the dressing room. John Cooper was talking about how good the hot dogs were. Oh my Pete God. DeBoer was talking about how good the hot dogs were. Everybody would not stop, stop, stop talking about these hot dogs. I had a hot dog. It was lousy. Oh, I, I could have just on, make man. a better hot dog at home. Like I did not, Joe. I wish Joe was here to talk about this with me. He loved the hot dogs. It's the most basic standard hot dog you'll ever have in your life. Bell Center hot dog. So, all in all, great experience. Something I'll never forget. It was great to have the lads there. Um, but the Bell Center hot dogs, the big disappointment of the night. So with that being said, I think we ought to pull up Phil Kessel's stats in the Bell Center. See, uh, see how good those hot dogs really are, right? Right. Well, everyone always says if you're if you're going to be a healthy scratch for one game of the year, it's at the Bell Center because ah. then you just eat as many hot dogs in the press box as you want. But 
Um, yeah, and then one more thing. Kyle kind of gave me a little homework assignment um, before the uh, before I went there that weekend, asking me, I want you to approach Habs fans throughout the evening, throughout the day, and ask them this question. Do you think your team should be gunning for the playoffs right now, or do you think you guys should be tearing this down, rebuilding, and trying to get potentially Alexi Lafreniere? And I tried to approach as many people as I could and made a Excellent. total ass of myself in the process. Excellent. What jersey but were you wearing? I, the Leafs jersey. You of were wearing it at the time, yep, eh? Yep, yeah. Good, yep. It was good. a gutsy call. Okay. It was a gutsy call. Okay. And immediately, I'll, I'll be the first to admit this: people don't take too kindly to you walking up to them with a voice recorder and asking oh if they'd be on the record. People don't like that. Holy and I'm not, shit. And I'm not going to be a snake, and I'm not going to interview them while not telling, disclosing that I'm recording. Of course. So before, as a good journalist would do, before every interview, I said, hey, is it okay if I not only ask you this question, but I record you? And nobody wanted to be recorded. <laughs> not one, eh? I only got one recording, and it was because I was behind the cab driver on our you way back what? from the bars that night. You should have I have done one recording secret. that I will show you after this show. Okay. And if you want, you could put it in this show. Okay. That's all I have. But everyone else declined to be on the record. And so I will just tell you what they told me off the record. The honest truth. Yeah. And this is about four or five groups I spoke to. Wow. People Good job. People ranging from, you know, growing up in Quebec from, you know, being, being a youngling to people who came over from Germany. And, and are now living in, in Montreal as Habs fans. And I asked them that question that I said earlier, and basically I got the same response from everybody. Everybody told me that they would rather see this team rebuild, and they have no chance of mm. making a playoffs, which wow. is what I expected. Yeah. The part I kind of did not expect to hear was that what they added to that perspective was they said that that will not happen because mm. Mark Bergevin is fighting for his job right now and Jeff Molson wants to keep the Bell Center flooded every night. They've seen a recent decline in attendance, and they need to keep it going. And that's why they got Kovalchuk. That's why they're trying to get excitement going here. And so they told me, we want this, but we may not necessarily see it because we have this guy with a different agenda running the team. Yeah. And, and it was kind of hard to hear, but I literally heard that same response from like three or four people. Wow. And, and just that in itself told me these fans aren't dumb. Like they know what's going on in management. So, I mean, a lot has happened since then. They've lost like three in a row, right? So maybe Bergevin has find a set. Okay, I got, I got to make ship some guys out, trade a Petrie or whatever. But they're another interesting team for the deadline and, and to see what they do. But needless to say, Kyle, that, that was the overwhelming response. Yeah, which I'm surprised at because, you know, whenever you're on Montreal TSN radio, you're always hearing, like, can the Habs fans, like, handle a rebuild? I don't know if they can. That's why Jeff Molson and, and Mark Vergeman does what he does. But it sounds like they're a competent yeah. group. They know what's best for the team. At this time, when you were interviewing them, it was more close than it is today. They were more likely than today than to make the playoffs. So to hear them say that on that game is... Mm -hmm. You know, it just goes to show that they're very sensible. And yeah, I mean, if, if this is the case and, and if, if Jeff Molson is pulling, you know, this kind of bullshit and it, he stopped. Cause here's the problem with Montreal. When is the last time they've had like a star player? When is the last time they've had such a, a great goal scoring talent like that? Kind of, I know we've had Subban and he's been a Norris Trophy winner. Weber, Carey. Yeah, that's that's. 
I mean, I mean up up front, but the drafting's been bad Not since the days of like Saku Koivu and oh, uh, and been, Kovalov. Kovalev. I I guess I guess it's just been so long since we've had one of these guys who can be a, a just a point collector, like just a guy who can yeah. maybe challenge for a scoring race, and it's. You know, it, it's scoring by committee. That's literally yeah, been their and, and, identity and like the past ten years. It's a cool brand. It's like everyone works really hard, and that's great. But you know, sometimes you want to just have that star that you can just love and jump on. So I'd like to see them. You know, really, hopefully, bottom out this year and and maybe uh, put and, something together. And the other thing is, other than just those three losses, it's also the uh, the Weber injury. There wasn't news about the Weber injury at that time. Now we know that there was the weird Kiprios tweet about this is his career ending. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, they, the, the, the Habs come out and they say, hey, listen, it's only eight weeks. But that, I mean, that's still the remainder of your, your, your push here. Mm-hmm. And so without your best D-man for that long, plus these three losses, Arizona, Pittsburgh, and, uh, and the other one, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, Boston. I, I just, I, I, I think Bergevin's got to do something now. He's got it. Yeah, they're uh, they're currently tied for tenth in the lottery race with sixty one points. Good. So so they they can go, they can definitely get a little bit closer to the to the top of the lottery. But they're also ten points away from the final wild card spot. Um, and the teams above them have three games in hand on the Canadians. So it's it's not looking good for a playoff push. Um, it'd be nice to see them get. Uh, Lafreniere, I think Montreal would respond to a French Canadian star and a French Canadian market. Um, and I think, uh, I think Kyle's right. I think it would be nice to see a star in Montreal again, because, um, as you mentioned, Nick, with sort of the, uh, reverence that the Bell Center and Montreal has for, for its legends, um, they, they love to rally around a star. Uh, they sort of deify the, the teams that are great and, Although, as a Leafs fan, I'd love to see the Leafs break the Canadian drought. I don't think there'd be anything better than to see Montreal sort of come back to significance and maybe go on a run. The league is always in a better place when Montreal is competing. Yeah. And and I don't care what team... As a Leaf fan sitting here, and you yourself, Mike, like I, I just... It's always in a better place when Montreal's in it. When those fans are actually excited about their team, I care for those fans. Just being there, like... Those are passionate fans I spoke to. Like a lot of these people, they didn't speak English. I had to have a translator. Like one really? guy was with his wife and the wife had to translate everything I was saying to this French Canadian man wow. who had a Habs mask on. Nice. And yeah. And you like, got that yes, guy. Yes. This was legit people I was hearing from and, and they, they care about like every goal they scored when they tied the game up. Like they were like, they were in our faces. Like, fuck you guys. Like Excellent. this, they, it, it got heated. And I, Joe I, was pissed. I was fine. <laughs> Joe, he must have been. Joe and Sonny were extremely pissed. They almost got thrown out of the arena. Oh. I wish I wish Joe was here. Oh Joe, my God. Sonny, Sonny got us almost in real trouble. Tell that, me what he said. That's a story off the air. Come on, tell us. No, but but the he, I mean he gave you his permission. I just saw it. Very Come funny. on, very funny. That's a no. That's a story for Sonny to tell. Fine, but but. I'm just going to say like I there is a there's a sportsmanship there there is a part of you that says yeah these guys are cheering for the other team but they really do care and uh, and and I, I want this team to, to to be successful and if they don't do well I want them to have a shot at, at Lafreniere so mm. um 
Yeah. Don't get my hopes up because this is like when the draft lottery goes by and they, they move back two spots. I'm just going to be fucking I mean, where, a where, disaster. Where was New Jersey <laughs> slotted in the last lottery? Because they, like they made a jump, right? Fourth-ish? They, no, they were, uh, I think they were a little further back. Chicago um, made the biggest jump, I where think. Where did they go? They went from like 11th. Yeah, past 10. Yeah. I'd like to know where New Jersey and Chicago were, but they made jumps, which goes to show you yeah, major jumps. Miracles can happen. Miracles can happen. And, you know, what everyone's going to be saying, oh, fucking Gary Bettman rigged the lottery, mm-hmm. if that does happen, but I'll take it any which way. Well, and, and the way that they've uh, the way that they've set up the lottery, though, it it doesn't... It, for certain teams, it makes sense to do the push for the playoffs because you still end up, you know, eighth in the lottery standings. There's a little bit more of a morale boost around the locker room because you're still trying to win. Um, last year, the, the devils were at the bottom of the Metro, so they, they didn't do so well. Um, and they, I don't have the Western conference stands in front of me, but they were second last in the East. So I don't think they did a huge jump. Um, I think the Blackhawks were the biggest jump cause they, they just missed out on playoffs last year. Yeah. They so didn't deserve that. <laughs> That's unbelievable. But no, it's, um, one thing I have to ask about this Montreal trip <laughs> The overtime winner, what yeah. was going on in the building beside you, in front of you, behind you? Like, what was the atmosphere like? I, like? like I said, like there had been animosity building throughout the night because you're, you're like I said, go Habs, go, go Leafs, go, go Habs, go, go Leafs, go. You know, one of us starts chirping their infrastructure. One of us starts chirping their language. One of us starts, oh, one of us starts, can't do that. One of, one of us starts chirping that they lost both world wars. Like, oh my God! What are you talking like about? Like shots were being thrown. What world? What? What do you mean? France lost both worlds. Why? World, you can't world bring wars. France into this. Yeah. Who so, said that? Oh I'm not getting into. Yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Okay, come so, on, so, man. So, so like, I just removed myself. Like, I am not part of this yeah. group. So, I mean, oh. yeah, you're right. In our section, I mean, like, whoever, if if we were kind of having the upper hand as far as the chirps throughout the game. They finally had the final laugh. Oh, I, I'm sure. I hope they. Winner. I hope they paddled you on the way out. No, so so a lot of them were good sports. Like there, there was a lot of joy for them, but then they were good sports, and they would they would offer to give you a handshake. And they, no, they, yes, I wouldn't shake your hand. After well, <laughs> I mean, we 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 got out of there fairly quickly. I mean, I I wanted to. I <laughs> we gotta well, get out of well, here. Well, I wanted to stay. I wanted to stay because I wanted to see the three stars because I know they always do a good job. And, and so we did stay for the three stars, but a couple of us wanted to just get the hell out of there. They were not, they're not into it, but we, we stood for it. And, and man, I just, I love, I love just seeing the kids get excited. Like when they score and stuff, like the so kids. many, so many kids were up there in the three hundreds oh. with, with their parents. It was a Saturday night game. And like, they were just livid when, when Kovalchuk, they were so happy when Kovalchuk scored and uh and and just seeing those reactions it, no they it was very lively Kyle it was loud it was mm. very very loud even considering there's only half uh Habs fans yeah, building imagine absolutely. that playoffs no, the Habs, loaded they 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 the volume came up nonetheless yeah. when they scored that game winner so um yeah just a really really cool atmosphere i can't i i can't say i've been to a sporting event like that where there's been such a nice mix Mm. You know, it was the complete opposite from like being in Golden State when you're the Raptors. And I'm one of 300 fans there when there's 20,000 Golden State fans like that is one opposite. And then this was like the other example. Yeah. And this made for more of like a a a very, very interesting atmosphere. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 
Yeah, and and you got lucky with the overtime too. What a what an awesome experience. Yeah, solid game. Like I I yeah, not the result we wanted as Leaf fans, but it did go the distance, and that's what you want to see. And it was a nice story, right? The guy has his family up for the weekend. The kids in the press box, and he scores the game winner. Like, like that's a Hollywood script, right? Did you see the uh, video of him just dangling his yeah, kids fantastic. out on the outdoor ring? Fantastic! I love. That. I love the story. I love, that. I love. I love how they hopped in a car, drove around to local rinks in Quebec. I knew Kyle would love this shit. Like, and they couldn't find a rink. They had nowhere to go. And then eventually, they saw Zamboni doing work work on one little pond, and they showed up. No one else was there. It was a really snowy day. It was a terrible weekend. It was freezing cold all weekend. Snow, freezing cold, and and Kobolchuk and his two kids just get on this rink alone, and he just starts dangling them. It was it was a fantastic video to watch and just a really fun story. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so yeah, that that's kind of the final cap. Uh, as I said, I'll show you that one recording after the show. We but, still have uh, one more trade to go over. Of course. Yeah. And I I'm gonna let you lead this one because you're clearly the most passionate about this one. Um, a man by the name of Jason Zucker. Jason Zucker and his wife Carly. And his Zucker. wife Carly Zucker are being shipped. <laughs> you can't forget that to Pennsylvania. To Pennsylvania. Now, I think the way I hear it is that Pittsburgh's had interest in Zucker for quite a while. They finally got their guy, and of course, Bill Garrett on the other side of this. There is a relationship there. They've probably talked about this deal for a long time. Pittsburgh gave up a fucking boatload of value for this guy. Immediately, it was jarring for me as as a Pittsburgh fan. I was kicked back into my seat. I was like, oh my God. Kalen Addison, who by the athletic was deemed probably your best prospect. I don't agree with that. But uh, he had a really great showing at the World Juniors. Small, agile, puck-moving defenseman. Really shifty, skilled guy. A guy that Pittsburgh could really use down the line. And of course, the 2021st, which is probably mid to late 20s but still very valuable in this deep deep draft and then i think there was a a conditional second or maybe just a pure second in there as well as a as a throw in to sweeten the pot but holy shit you're i mean you're getting a guy who has not even 40 points this year now he did have a great year coming i think last year he had 30 and 30 30 goals 30 assists so the talent is still there you just know he's going to be one of those guys who can really adapt well to playoff hockey in my mind I think he's one of those guys who just knows the game that way he can kind of play that dirty style as well Um, so you know what Pittsburgh had to do this I think they're obviously in still in win now mode they've had a fantastic year they've had Gensel go down they've been battling injury bugs quite a lot obviously the Crosby thing so uh, this is a great move for them taking out what they had to pay but hey I mean they, uh, Jim Rutherford, Rutherford is just pedaled to the metal right now. And uh, the key here, I'll say this, uh, this Samuel Poulin guy remains Pittsburgh's prized possession. Fantastic pick late in last year's draft. As, as long as they don't give up this guy, they still have a, a future blue chip prospect. So he remains a trade chip. I hope they don't touch him in the days to come. But um, I get it. I get this trade, but fucking hell of a haul. Well, and I think uh, maybe there's a little bit of consolation in the fact that Pierre-Olivier Joseph uh, came back in the Kessel deal, so you picked up another defensive prospect there. Um, And and Zucker did come out, score two goals in his debut. Uh, I think it was his debut last night. Um, His second game? His second game last night. But 
a career point per game around zero zero point five points, zero point six points per game. Um, I think ultimately what Pittsburgh's hoping they're getting here is the type of player where like Pascal Dupuis, they slot in with Crosby and just sort of form that type of chemistry where they can go on a run in the playoffs. And this sort of two-man game can almost get them uh, get them a lot deeper than perhaps they, they thought they could get before. Um, the issue is going to be that if he doesn't live up to this sort of uh, chemistry with Crosby, the points per game, that he's at a five five and a half million cap hit for the next few years, like signed through the 2023 uh, season. He's still relatively young in his prime at 28. Um, and so I think it's a good pickup. I agree that the the price to get him was very high. Depending on how you see Galchenyuk, uh, Minnesota got an absolutely like an absolute steal of a deal. No matter what, I think Minnesota comes out on top of this trade uh, in the long term. But if they can get Galchenyuk to live up to the potential he had, this is a ridiculous deal for Bill Guerin, and I don't think he's done here. Yeah, to me, uh, just round of applause for Bill Guerin. This, whoever this Bill Guerin guy is. Don't he, give hey, me that. He's almost doing his best Sackick impersonation. Because Sackick mm. always showed this patience with the way he was going to work Duchesne. Duchesne didn't want to be there, and he just stayed patient. And this Guerin guy stayed patient this whole season, right? Like Minnesota, everyone was writing them off from day one. They could have started this rebuild over the summer. They could have like they could have done a lot of major deals earlier. And he was patient, must have heard every single offer come his way, and he took advantage of a desperate Jim Rutherford, who who is always aggressive. Kyle would know this. He's always making the first move of the deadline. He's always ahead of yeah. the game. And and I think he heard Jim. He's like, hey, this guy's desperate. Um, for Pittsburgh, you want to capitalize on these assets. You have Malkin and Crosby healthy and, and, and active for only so long. And so they, it doesn't matter to them they're giving up the first-round pick. Like, it's so easy for us sitting around this table just weighing one fruit against the other fruit. Like, of course you're going to give Minnesota the applaud here because they get a first-rounder. They get a great prospect who Ray Ferraro adored at the World Juniors. Hmm. He'd, he'd always mess up his name and call him Caleb Addison. Oh but it's Kalen Addison. <laughs> and, and he was the big puck-moving defenseman for Canada. He was always on the top power play. And Kyle and I would go, who's this Kalen Addison? Where's Byram? <laughs> like, who is this Addison guy? And then we'd see him make a great play, and we'd be like, oh, okay, I see, I see why he's on there. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, they get the great, great puck-moving D, which is what Minnesota needs. A lot of their D are kind of stagnant, old guys who they're going to move on from. And um, they get the first-round pick, which which is for the 2020 draft, if I'm yes, not mistaken. So there's, I don't care how late that pick is. That's a that's a great player you're getting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, those two assets plus plus the other pick. Uh, this, this is fantastic for Minnesota. But again, from Pittsburgh's perspective... <coughs> This isn't your typical team giving up a first. This is a team no. that is desperate, only has so so long left to to compete for a cup, and it's almost a necessary evil. Like it, it's it's not what you you can't evaluate it from the perspective of just your traditional analyst. You you need to sit in the chair of, of Rutherford's and be like, if I if I'm Rutherford, would I make this move? And I think he had to. Like I, I think Crosby's telling him to. I think ownership's telling him to. Everybody's telling him to make this move. He did it. And apparently the Zucker guy is pretty good. Like, I, I don't watch a lot of Minnesota because they're kind of boring. And, yeah. and, 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 and Zucker, like, I don't know. Zucker's not this top-notch 
third like <laughs> like he's not a 35 goal scorer who's going to get 70 points every year like no, i'm sorry no. he's not that no um so like i don't know how much how how great of a trade this is they their scouting must really adore this guy they must know something we don't and i guess i'll give them the benefit of the doubt given the given they paid so much you know what i love about this from rutherford it's like <laughs> It's like he's uh, obviously Pittsburgh's in this cluster of teams potentially aiming for the cup. And he's the first one to say, all right, boys, uh, we're going balls to the wall. Who's joining me? You know, it's like, I'm willing to do this right now. Cards are down. Who's following me? Who's brave enough to come down this road with me and trade all this crap to, to compete with me? Now, Zucker is one of those guys where if he clicks with Crosby, we could see some magic. Now, if, if you look at the potential top six when they're healthy, you're talking a pretty fucking nuclear top six. Gensel, Crosby, Zucker, give me that all day long. Malkin, Rust, and Rust has been cold lately, but still, even cold, is over a point per game this year. Crazy season. And then you might throw in Hornquist, who's a, an awesome playoff player. That is a nuclear top six. You've got... A shaky Murray, but a very steady Tristan Jari. He was an all-star this year. He's been a rock on my fantasy team. I would probably be in last place without this guy. And uh, and then Pittsburgh's got that wild ability to shine shit until it looks like a diamond and just pull out these guys like Dumoulin and, and McCann is good and like all these random, who the fuck is this guy? And then all of a sudden, he's he's an awesome player. He's a role player. He fits right in. And uh, that room, that system, they have figured it out. They're turning their late-round draft picks into players. And uh, and like I said, as long as you keep Poulin in the pocket, I'm not uh, too upset about trading all this value. And uh, who knows? Maybe they're not done. Well, and on the other side of the deal, I mean, it's easy to talk about Pittsburgh because I think that this is a push for the playoffs type of move for them. Uh, but for Minnesota... I think this opens up some space for some of your younger guys. Um, I think I've always been a fan of Jordan Greenway, and I think uh, hopefully this gets him a little bit more time. I remember a couple years ago, a lot of noise was being made about Minnesota's younger players like uh, Joel Erickson Eck, and I think that he's sort of dropped off since then. He came in with a bit of a bang and and hasn't been as big uh, since then. And so I think that moving Zucker, opening up some space for some younger guys, uh, some guys who have shown flashes but uh, haven't quite achieved their potential uh, could be could be a big win for um, for Bill Guerin as well and might even push Minnesota into the playoffs. Mm, that's the wild part about this is they're still out there and they're still in the race, which is crazy. Which segues to our next topic. Ooh. Uh, 24 hours ago, uh, Bruce Boudreau, finally fired. I say finally because seemingly this was the guy everybody had on their hot seat list at the start of the year. Kyle and I talked about this in our first episode when we were making our predictions. Like, if you had a power rankings of coaches getting fired in the immediate future, this was the guy at the top. He either had to convince the GM to keep him, expiring contract, or he had to, uh, or he was going to seemingly be done. And uh, the clock ran out. And and this is a fascinating coaching firing because it's it's not as much of a surprise as I think you'd think it would be like a lot of people see the name and go okay he was on the list for a while but to me this is a team where for those casual Minnesota fans who just flip open the 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 standings and go whoa my team's still in it or us casual observers who who see them as three points behind a playoff spot and three games in hand 
with the, the team they're icing, the goaltending they're getting, it is it is shocking that they're still there. Maybe for you guys, for me, I had them in the playoffs from day one, and don't take that away from me. So I I I, I from to me, I'm I'm pissed off because I I thought this was a guy who, if he got you to this far, he ought to be allowed to see the process through. Like where is the like where is like where is the character in Bill Guerin? Like don't, don't this guy's done so much for you to this point, and now you're just letting him go. And 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 the big question is, does Guerin really want to make the playoffs? Like is this a move? Is this your typical coaching change where he wants this to invigorate his team to make a push, like we see from typical coaching changes, like the Vegas move for DeBoer, or is this a kind of stealth tank? Is he basically PRing this and saying, hey, we want to make playoffs. This is why I'm making this move. But then it's also the stealth tank because he knows Boudreaux really wants to save his job and make the playoffs. Whereas maybe this new guy he's bringing in is more in line with Garen's thought, mm-hmm. which is stealth tank, trade Zucker, trade Brodeen, trade Dumba, get them all out of here. And and this is a stealth tank. And Boudreaux, you know, the, the guillotine on Boudreaux is, is kind of, you know, the second step after the Zucker trade. So it, it, it's so fascinating. Before we get to Kyle, just to express the viewpoints before I let the floodgates open on your opinion here. Uh, so, so they had Athletic. They do a great thing where they get perspectives from different people. And, and I think these two perspectives really sum it up well. So Mike Russo is the beat writer in Minnesota. He says, I'm very shocked today. The team had points in eight of their last 11 games. They've gotten really poor goaltending, even though all the advanced stats tell you they give up near the fewest high danger chances in the mm. league. You have to credit the coaching there. It has to be a hard existence every single day for Bruce Boudreaux to wake up knowing that there was almost zero chance he'd be the coach next year. This is a sign Garen wants to make the playoffs. This is a guy who makes this move knowing they're within three points of a playoffs. There are definitely guys in that room not playing well right now. The top two lines, the way they've been playing and deployed has been troubling for Garen. Eric Stahl has been bad since before the All-Star break. Matt Zuccarella has been terrible lately and they can't find him in a spot. All that factors into this decision. And then this kind of different perspective, this is Dom Luchichin, kind of more of an analytics guy in athletic. He's saying usually coaching changes make sense. This one doesn't. Boudreaux has consistently been one of the league's best coaches with only Scotty Bowman having a better career winning percentage and the Wild are surging of late, going 7-3-1 over their last 11 to inch closer to a potential playoff spot. Minnesota's current chance stand at 38% and a lot of credit has to go to Boudreaux. I mean, just look at the roster he's been handed. It's one that many expected to be in the league's bottom five and instead they're on an 88-point pace despite brutal goaltending. And I mean, maybe that's the point. The Wild are stuck in purgatory, and firing Boudreaux might be their second step, trading Zucker being their first towards a stealth tank to improve their future. Any other reason is not one I can comprehend. <coughs> so where do you sit, Kyle Ness? The firing of Bruce Boudreaux is a legendary disappointment. <laughs> legendary. We've all had dreams here at Rink Moose to see... Minnesota in a fucking last wild card spot facing a behemoth of a team in the first round, getting effed by the team <laughs> they're facing, and Boudreaux absolutely getting tomato red on the bench <laughs> and losing his shit, and that would have made the first round an absolute legend of a first round. We don't get that anymore because Bill Guerin blew it for us, and, uh, and he's not a good guy. Second of all, <laughs> the stealth tank mentality is in my mind absolutely what's going on here i don't know who this michael russo guy <laughs> is but 
<laughs> he's renowned as one of the best writers on the athletic. Okay, sure. <clears throat> I, I get you. I get you. But I think he, you nailed it, or Dom nailed it when he said Boudreaux does not buy into this whole, hey, Garen says, hey, guys, I think uh, maybe let's wait out this year. Let's, let's just let this go. Mm. He would not buy into that. Uh, and I think it all, it all adds up. You know, Zucker's traded. Brodeen and, and Dumber on the block. Why would they be on the block if they're trying to go for it? Those are two amazing defensemen. And then you get Boudreaux fired. It's like it all adds up to stealth tank. And it's so weird. We don't see this often because they're right there. It's like they must have the most complacent fans in all of hockey to just let this go so quietly. I haven't heard much so quietly when they're just knocking on the door and Fiala just tearing it up right, right now. Right. So I don't, I, don't, I don't get this, but from Garen, maybe they've had a conference with the owner and saying, hey, listen, uh, we know we're not going to win the cup this year. Hey, maybe it's a smart move. They know they're not going to win the cup. Maybe they're actually having the, the foresight to say, let's pack it in now. So it's interesting. It doesn't happen <clears throat> often, but cool. So before we get to Mike... Kyle, do, how how what are the likelihood of do you think at, right after the Zucker trade, Boudreaux waddles into Garen's office, tomato red, and goes, "What the fuck?" Like, oh, it's done? happened already, Nick. You think no, but you think that happened? Oh yes. Okay. Oh yes, yes, yes. And you yes, think yes. that kind of stemmed the the firing, like him and Baron got in a big shouting match. Yeah. And the next day, Boudreaux was gone. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So and just. Actually, building off of that, Bill Guerin, after the Zucker trade, after the Boudreaux firing, comes out and gives this sort of weird press conference talking about how if anybody else quits on the team, he won't be afraid to move them. And it's almost like trying to control the message of being like, oh, yeah, no, Boudreaux and Zucker, they, they quit on the team. But, I mean, like... I think Zucker was one of their top five point getters. Uh, I can't confirm that, but For he sure. was he was around uh, half a point per game, and I know their leader in points per game is Eric Stahl with just over 45. Um, and so it's... Yeah. It, they, they, but they're in the playoff race. They're in the playoff race, and it's because Bruce Boudreaux was doing an incredible yeah. job. I think you can compare the job Boudreaux was doing with the job that Tortorella is doing in Columbus. Mm. I think you can talk about how... Uh, it seems as though Bill Guerin used a couple of blown third period leads and the Zucker trade and probably Boudreaux coming in and giving him a little piece of his mind uh, to get rid of a guy who is one of the best coaches in NHL history as far as win percentage goes. Um, and if you're talking about uh, a stealth tank for the future, the Iowa Wild are second in the AHL in points. You've got a good prospect system. You've got a good team. You just picked up Kalen Addison. Uh, who's going to fill a role on the, on the defensive side? Both Brodine and Dumba are still young guys. I just I don't I don't quite understand uh, understand where they're going with this one. Yeah, I mean they've been a disgruntled fan base for a while because they seemingly always make playoffs and they're out in like the first round. Like that's kind of the legacy. I'd love to have a Wild fan sit in with us, like just to get that perspective. And I know they love their hockey there and the state of hockey. So. Uh, I don't know. To me, it's just disgruntled little short playoff run after little short playoff run. And that's where the rebuild mindset's coming from. Well, and perhaps the, the lack of fan reaction to the Boudreaux firing comes from an intelligent fan base who has wanted to rebuild as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it is a deep draft. It is the type of draft where if you tank, you're going to get the type of offensive player who could, you could build a team yeah. around in the future. 
I just, I think if you're three points out of the playoffs in a Western conference that, in my opinion, is completely up for grabs, um, that, that you go for it. You go for it, and you take one of the forwards in the later half of the draft who's still going to be a good player, Yeah, and, and you, uh, you give your fan base something to cheer for. Um, although, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe Garen's playing 4D chess, and we're just here to, to watch him make his moves. Just like where where has like integrity gone in this game? Like why where like where is the where is just like showing faith in a guy who's given so much to your organization the last four years in Boudreaux and making these impossible playoff you know playoffs happen? Where is like the loyalty? Where is the okay? I'm gonna let you coach this team for the rest of the year. Like does that mean nothing to you? Like there must have been some behind the scenes follow here and like something must have just made. Garen like just lose his mind here well and what type of message does it send to your team when you fire a guy who I believe is well liked in the dressing room yeah. I think I think Boudreaux is is one of those coaches where it's not like he's winning but he's doing Babcock things behind the scenes sure he's he's winning and he's well liked by the players and Garen goes out fires him then gives this press conference on if anybody quits I'll, I'll trade you right I mean, at that point, I'd be, I'd probably be first in line right. at the door saying, no. "Hey, thank, thank you. Uh, I'll go to a contender now, please." And, and I listened to a lot of the player uh, interviews, and the goalies, particularly Dubnik and Stalock, very emotional, saying, "Hey, if I had a better year this year, this man might still have this job." And we read that thing from Russo about how they give up the lowest high danger scoring chance in the league, and yet this the the team goaltending is like near the bottom of the league. So it goes to show you how important goaltending is and goes to show you how emotional those players are, and rightfully so, given what's happened. It makes you wonder almost with all this weird shit going on if there's some sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't know about. Like, what if Boudreaux, what if Zucker got into some sort of, you know, conversation that leaked out or something like that where we don't know what's going on, but he, he felt as though they had not... It doesn't add up, really. None, nothing really does. But maybe he had not liked their mindset in some mm-hmm. way. Maybe Garen, as a new GM, is trying to say, this is how I'm doing it. I'm going to stick to this plan, and that's how it's going to be. And maybe from the beginning of the year, them in their boardroom, and Garen was like, guys, this is going to be kind of a rough year for us. We're not going to make the playoffs. You know, Let's just get through it. And maybe that plan changed, but he wants to stick to his script. He wants to stick to his plan for his future outlook, all that kind of thing. But to your point, it doesn't respect the guys who are giving it their all every night to try no. to make the playoffs to, you know, just make something of themselves and, and the team. And especially when this guy, like in his conference, like in his in his interview after the firing, he's like, yeah, like a lot of this came from last night's loss to New York where we blew a, a 2-1 lead and, and we lost 3-2 in a shootout. I'm like, if you're... Like if you're like letting little short-term things like get the best of you and make you make a firing the next day, like that doesn't say much about your character because it's one game of 82. You guys lose in a shootout, like the most fluky thing that should be ridded, like should be out of the get out of the game, but it's only in the game because it's efficient, efficient way to end a game. The fact you're basing it off that, like, I just don't know how much you want to read into what you're saying and 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 how much I just want to, you know, just just believe what what you're what you're doing here. Well, and if you want to build a culture in, in your city, in your team, the way you do it is by rewarding the players for playing their asses off for the for the city. I mean, you think back to the first year Matthews was with the Leafs, uh, 2016-17, nobody expected the team to make the playoffs. 
come trade deadline, they're making a push. What does Lou go out and do? He trades for, I think it was Brian Boyle. Uh, or was that yeah. the second year? Can't remember. But but he and it's a small move like that where you go out, you pick up a guy rather than you know sell off one of your top six wingers where you you tell the players in the room we believe in what you can do uh, we're not going to jeopardize our future by trading away any big picks or anything like that but we want to we want to see you guys continue to work we like what you've yeah. given to this team what this sends the complete opposite message which is you've been working hard you're so close but we don't believe in you we don't believe in what was going on here we're making a change. And you can sell it as uh, we think this is what's best for us to make the playoffs. But I guarantee in the room they were thinking, well, we were almost there anyways. You know, what's th- what's this really going to do? And another little thing to add to Kyle's belief in this stealth tank, this uh, this coach they brought in, this Dean Evison, he has no Never NHL, co- no <laughs> no coaching experience in the NHL. Oh boy, he's only coached in the AHL, and his playoff record in the AHL. Is one in fifteen. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> was he with their AHL team? Like their he was the AHL head coach team? of the AHL team, Milwaukee Admirals. This doesn't make any one sense. One in fifteen. So, oh my god! But a good guy apparently. Ray Ferraro says he's a good guy. Uh, well, they used to be room. Oh, they used to be oh, roommates. Yeah, in Hartford. Big, yeah, yeah, good guy. Good guy. Deal. Good guy. So, so what you're saying is like. We're going to see them at the bottom of the standings we'll next see. year too. We'll see, but but like or not again, this year, but the the story, yeah, like, the script hasn't been written yet. Is like he I, interim or is he head coach? Interim. He's interim, okay, for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but the script hasn't been written. Like if 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 they don't like if they don't make another move, like if they don't subtract going into the deadline anymore, I'll actually kind of applaud the Zucker trade because sure. it'll it'll have been kind of a hybrid. Like you're still showing faith, you're keeping the most of your group together, but you got a phone call that was too good to refuse. Mm-hmm. Like if you get that phone call and you're an NHL GM, I think nine of ten GMs right. are making that move, yeah, or more because it's such a good haul. Unless you're a contender. So I hope I hope he's telling the truth because in his press conference he did say we're gun- we're gunning for playoffs. This is not a tank. I hope he's telling <laughs> the truth because that'll tell me okay I'm more in line with your thinking because you're still going for it. You're still honoring the team. You just accepted a trade you couldn't refuse and it is a great haul he got the Boudreaux thing is but again Boudreaux aside that's like a more character issue so yeah Mm. yeah good oh you know what I'll say one more thing I I I just said you know what uh, I'm looking at their top prospects from one to six or whatever it it doesn't wow me. The uh, the top guy Kirill Kaprizov, he's their top guy. He might drafted be coming. In, he might yeah. be in there in March. He drafted in 2015, fifth round, five foot nine. Has crushed the KHL from after he was drafted, pretty much point per game. So that's great. Number two, Alexander Kolvanov. Heard of him? Yep. You have. Yep. So he's at about a two points per game in the queue. Really, really great year in the queue. Um, Moncton Wildcats, yeah. Uh, Matthew Boldy, number three, has had a disappointing year. Really, eh? I was going to ask you about Disappointing year. Because um, he went high, right? So he's had about 15 points in 27 games. NCAA can be sketchy that way with points, for sure. So you don't read too much into that. But based on reports I've read, he hasn't had a great year. Yeah, um, yeah and then you got Philip Johansson. And just like, I don't know, like aside from Kaprizov, I'm not blown away, is what I'm saying. So... That's something to uh, to just throw in there as well. All right. One more little subject here before we get into kind of a mutual topic uh, between Mike and I uh, is uh, speaking of tanking, uh, San Jose Sharks, 
Oh, got quite yes. the injury news today. Yes. Uh, so th- this is coming after the the Timo <laughs> Meyer got damn. injured right after the break. Like I said, for Can't those of you, worse. for those of you like Kyle who don't really watch a lot of San Jose, Timo Meyer is 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 a top three forward on that team. As embarrassing as that may sound, given you may not think he's a great player, he is a top three forward. He is gone for the rest of the season. Uh, apparently, it was like an ACL kind of deal. Very, very bad. Mm. And and now Carlson is out the remainder of the year. I, I had a feeling he would get injured. I had a feeling like he'd come up with a reason to just dip for the rest of the year. Go to somewhere warm? Yeah, with his wife. Oh, he's like, already in somewhere warm. Yeah, I, I know, say. but he needs to get out of there. Like, he just yeah. need, like it's too toxic. Kyle and I had talked on the show before about how they were laughing after losses in the dressing room. Like, just not a lot of good news coming out of San Jose. Guy. As far as character, Carlson was kind of leading the, the, the laughs in that segment there. Um, so he's gone for the rest of the year. Uh, this is this is your best defenseman. Call, call him what you will. If he's you know a glass house, I call him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's he's gone. And so this lineup they're rolling out. I mean, Joe Thornton is is now a top six forward again. I mean, by default, Couture is out, right? Couture is out yeah. at the moment. He he yeah. will be back, but but he's not rushing. There's no reason to rush. Um, so, so this team without him is, is looking grim. Dil, uh, we talked about moving out, um, Dylan. So, so he's, he's going to be gone shortly. Uh, they wish they could move Vlasic, but his contracts is, is too bad. Um, but, but Kyle, I mean, look at this, look at, look at these forwards. Like, are you, I, I'm spot starting goalies against this team every night. Oh my. Because I'm convinced this team can't score. There's a decent amount of guys I've never heard of here. Mm-hmm. Oh, Evander Kane's out too, isn't he? Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, this is. I mean, I I could become a, an Ottawa Senators fan very quickly, mm-hmm. yeah. depending on how this draft goes. Yeah. Like I could flip just like that and purchase a jersey yeah. in seconds. Like I know certain guys like Burns who compete every night. They're still going to suit up every game and they're still going to give them all. But this is, <laughs> he can only do so much. And, and there's kind of a gap between the bottom six in the league and in the next kind of 24 and 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 San Jose they're 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 like within two points of being a bottom four team so they're at 54 points and and they're sixth last and New Jersey is fourth last and they're at 52 so they they are they they are right in line here to be a top five lottery team and as a San Jose fan that pains me to say it when we don't have our pick um, but it is what it is from. So uh, if you, if you look at it from a vindictive Ottawa Senators fan standpoint, you're watching, uh, the team that Carlson went to, they've been bad. Carlson hasn't been great. You're likely not at like, we got rid of him at just the right time. Matt Duchesne, who was brought in, everybody, everybody, uh, resented the trade meant that they didn't get, uh, their pick last year and co- which could have been good. Uh, instead, Bowen Byram is drafted. Still going to be a good player, but they didn't end up winning the lottery, so they're okay with it. They they have Brady Kachuk. They're happy. And now they have San Jose's pick this year, uh, their pick this year. The Nashville Predators have been one of the weirdest teams in the NHL this year. Uh, the San Jose Sharks are tanking. Eric Carlson's out. Duchesne hasn't had a good year. Um, it, Hoffman's on the Panthers, who... Could go either way. If they start to get average goaltending, they might make the playoffs. Otherwise, Quenville might be on the outside looking in this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd have to say, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you're feeling pretty good right now. 
Yeah, the only other guy you could mention there is Mark Stone, who's having a great, great year. But they got a good haul for him. They did. Yeah, they got a good return for him. Uh, and then I think for Ottawa, this is just just desserts. You've had you had a really brutal watching the whole year last year is enough to just kill a fan base, yeah. right? Terrible team doesn't have the pick, all that all that shit. But yeah. I I look at the San Jose collapse as like a uh, a strange kind of um, karma because of their stupid godlike luck in the playoffs last year and the way the refs helped them to the uh to the right. finals of the west but but it is almost a a, a detroitian fall from grace because oh, yeah. other than no. detroit people forget this since like 2000 like this team consistently makes the playoffs they've made the playoffs something like sure. 22 of the last 24 years like it's an incredible run that is overlooked because of teams like Detroit and the Babcock and the Bowman eras. So so they just don't they don't get as much hype out there out west. And I think guys like Thornton should be given credit. And speaking of Thornton, he's he's likely getting traded in the next in the next few days here. So that's another guy who's off who's off their roster. So yeah. You know what would just be the most ridiculous thing, and I could totally see it happening, is Thornton getting traded to Boston somehow. That's what they're um, saying, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Uh yeah, well, there's still belief in the San Jose fan base that um, that they can compete next year, which is wild. No, they, it, but it, there's there's this belief that their GM and I can't remember his name right now, uh, but Wilson, Doug Wilson, Wilson, Doug Wilson, that Wilson's just gonna be able to do what he's done every year where they've had a down year, which is you know make a couple deals, move some pieces around, and and get them back into the playoff picture next year. I I think that their core is aging out. I love Logan Couture, but he can't carry the team, and I and think the prospect pool's miserable. Yeah, they've he, he hired his bro- brother, his uh, Doug, oh. Wilson, <laughs> Doug Wilson's brother is the head of scouting in San Jose, <laughs> and the problem with the San Jose scouting staff is they 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 keep missing on their picks. They they keep making poor picks, especially in the third, second, third, and fourth rounds. They, that any any San Jose fan would say that they they're consistently a, a poorly sc- scouting done team. They, they Merkley. Make, they say what you want about Merkley, <laughs> but like I'm just saying, their prospect pool is is in the bottom uh, bottom ten of the league. Oh yeah, they're terrible. But you know what? I I, I kind of like the question is, do they think they can compete next year? That I can't answer because they've got Carlson. And I think if you move Burns. Thornton, it's a huge sign because it's, it's, it's a guy who doesn't want to leave San Jose. He's always refused yeah. to leave San Jose. He loves the Californian lifestyle, doesn't want to play in a cold atmosphere. Like his his, his bones can't take it. <laughs> like seriously, like this guy loves he's from this. Canada. It doesn't matter. You change. don't say you that change. about him. He changes when he's been there for like 10 years. Pavelski yes. leaves the heart and soul of your team. Thornton's going to oh. leave. I mean, what the it, hell were they doing? <laughs> what did they do? They couldn't afford him. You know what's? What, 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 tell, they what, wanted what's to the, dish their money to Carlson instead. What's the Eric Carlson contract? Oh, it's for for like full term, isn't it? Like the next seven years. This is a fucking horrible, horrible mess. <laughs> this is a mess because <laughs> this guy, you knew how fucking fragile this guy was. He had a fu- he has an artificial ankle, and you sign him so long, even though you know your team is so old. Like, it's brutal. Tell what, what? What's the number? Eric Carlson is signed to a uh, contract through the 2027 season oh. that's worth 11.5 million per year against the cap. That's 11 crazy. and a half million. That's terrible. 
for a guy who has one ankle. Honestly, and I'll 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 uh, Pierre I'll th- Dorian drops the mic and leaves the room, and I'll throw another one at you. This one's even more embarrassing. Um, I guess it was at this point. It was uh, yeah, couple couple years ago. Um, Martin Jones got a big contract from the San Jose Sharks. Oh Six oh. years, thirty-four point five million. That's a cap hit of five point seven five million mm. a year. And Martin Jones is signed. Fucking terrible. Martin is. Jones is signed until twenty twenty-four. And Martin Jones is not even a starting goaltender in the league anymore. Uh, Martin Jones, uh, Aaron Dell is the uh, is the starter of the San Jose Sharks. Mar- Mar- Martin Jones has only started two games in the past month. And you have all the salary. I've been hearing, I've, I've been hearing people saying they're going to buy him out, which means you essentially give him all this money to basically leave your team, right? Yeah. They, there's some kind of equation. Where you you, you average it. As much, yeah. Right? You pay less against the cap per year, but you pay for more years. Yeah. Um, which maybe they wouldn't mind because Brent Burns, who's 34, is signed through the 2025 season at eight million per. This is yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that, I can. They can't win with it. I'm. A, I imagine there's no movement clauses on Burns and Carlson. Uh, yeah. It's sad. How many players want to leave San Jose? I know. Th- I know. There's players like I want to win. How many players want to leave San Jose? How many times? If I'm a guy there? like Logan Couture, who's all about winning, and who, and who maybe put, that's one guy. Put up all those incredible. He led his team last year in that Colorado series. That guy stuck it to your team. Logan no. Couture. He stuck it to your team. No, as much as you want to shit talk this team, they did beat your team. Logan last Couture year. is a stud. And he and he and he, he was like leading the playoff scoring for quite some time there on a, on an offensively challenged team. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he's next knocking on the door to Doug Wilson saying, "Get me out of here." Yeah. Because well, enough's enough. And then Vlasic, seven million until twenty twenty six. Like I said, it's immovable. With a no with it's, a no movement clause as well. Yeah. No, they they have more money locked up in their decor no sorry about as much money locked up in their decor as toronto has locked up in marner uh matthews and nylander yeah and and the difference is their decor is like yeah and their difference is their decor is like the average age of like 35 or 34 mm-hmm. um you want to you want to know what my nightmare is number one nightmare that keeps me up all night sometimes twice a week i wake up with the bed wet um 2022, San Jose wins the draft lottery. Drafts Shane Wright. Wow! And I walk myself off a bridge. <laughs> what would you? What would you be more cheese? Lafreniere to Kings or Wright to the Sharks? Laugh to the Kings, which is very conceivable. <laughs> Both would kill me, man. Yeah. Man, Both I, would kill I'd be me. I'd be elated. Hey, um, I'd I'd rather have Laugh to the Kings yeah. oh, because wow. at least they have a fantastic prospect mm. pool. Where San Jose is a barren wasteland of talent. He could hook up with Akil Thomas. Yeah, or oh, Thomas Turcotte. Like yeah. this would be a, you could have something there. Like you could start yeah. a dynasty with that. Like that would be kind of cool. As much as I hate doing <laughs> that, you know, I don't like L.A. But <laughs> San Jose, they don't deserve anything. Nothing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how quickly it turns around, right? Because right now is yeah. like. Right now is like the start of this of this collapse, and then I want to. What will the lowest low look like, and how quickly will it take to get out of that? San Jose is the type of team, though, where they could end up. They could end up looking like 
like Chicago looked like they were going a couple years ago where it was just the 10 and a half for Kane and Taves each, uh, the Duncan Keith contract and where everybody had just written them off because there was, they just felt as there, there was no way that they could recover from it. But with San Jose, it's a lot more money tied up in a lot, a lot older of a group and they, they could end up in a serious, like seriously destroyed team. It doesn't look good. No. <laughs> like, I'm trying to, like, as a San Jose fan, I'm trying to think of, like, young guys I'm excited to see up. And other, other than Merkley, I, I, I'm i not very excited for about anybody. I can't Nobody. Nobody. Nick, you got to park your fandom. That's what I, that's kind of something you have to do when your team sucks. No, you got to stick with them. No, but, like, what, like, stick with them how? Like you're gonna so cheer that for them when to Shane win? Wright does go to them, I'm I'm no, excited. No, that, that's fine, but like park it and bring it out when you need to. But don't be up, don't be upset when they get shat on for years. That's what I'm saying. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna take it too hard because I like I kind of saw this coming like months ago. But it's it's just it's just a shame that this GM who clearly, you know, he he got he got he got full you know he got full consent to do whatever the hell he wanted from ownership. And to throw all the money out in the world that he wanted to, and it is nothing has gone right. There isn't one value contract there, right? Where you're where you're applauding it, so it, it, it's kind of amazing. Uh, just to add more fuel yeah. to the fire, Evander Kane locked yeah, up through twenty twenty five through se- at seven million per. Oh. Um, and c- I think Couture's contract extension is is pretty big too. Like I think he's no, earning. like there was a certain yeah. there was a certain time like two to three years ago, where kind of the old the old boys club came together and and he and he said all right Vlasic you're a guy here, Burns you're a guy Jones you're a guy, Pavelski or Couture you're a guy and he gave like seven year terms like five yep. to seven year terms to all these guys, and it's blowing up in his face. Eight million for Couture through twenty twenty seven. He's gonna want to. He's gonna wanna, like. He's gonna want to go out of there. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good contract for any other team, but for a team where you've invested but almost no one wants 30, 30 no million. One wants Jones. Yeah. Right. Immovable. So that's that's half their cap in those five players, right? Yeah. Anyways, on to uh, we're done bagging yeah, on. We're done. I've had enough. I'm sad now. <laughs> You're not. Um. Come on. Okay, so before we head on to our junior topic of the week, which will close out the show, is there anything else you guys want to touch on at the professional level? Uh, uh, just the Maurice contract extension. I think he's been dealt a tough hand in, in Winnipeg this year with Bufflin being out for the entire year. Uh, they lost Myers in free agency, and then they had to trade Trubo away because he essentially said he wasn't going to play for them again. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, just he's done a really good job with the Winnipeg team that lost basically all three of their key guys on the back end. Uh, Josh Morrissey has had to step up. Neil Pionk, who is an undersized defenseman, has had to be really good for them as well. Um, and so, yeah, just like a shout out to Paul Maurice for continuing to be excellent in Winnipeg and getting a three-year contract extension. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. That's uh Yeah, well said. No, they 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 like Minnesota. I mean, with a depleted roster, they they've still <clears> stuck around there. They're fighting tooth and nail for for a playoff spot and uh along with the Nashvilles and the Minnesotas of of the likes, 
uh, they're still knocking on the door there of that mm. of that big Pacific hodgepodge of, of five teams. So uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. On to our junior topic of the week. I've been meaning to get to this for quite some time. This takes us back to January 24th. So right around the time, yeah, right around the All-Star break, um, unknowingly, Michael and I went to the same game <laughs> without knowing that we were both there. So that won't happen again. Um, but yeah, no, we, we saw the Saginaw Spirit take on the, the Kingston Frontenacs. Um, yet another Shane Wright game. Uh, this would have been something, I guess, by now, like, I don't know, my, my fifth uh, attempt to see him live. And, uh, and and of course, Cole Perfetti, right? From the start of the year, I told Kyle there's a trilogy this year I want to see. I want to see the Byfield game, I want to see the Perfetti game, and I want to see an Ottawa game. And I've been to an Ottawa game, but Rossi, Rossi was injured that night. <gasps> or no, suspended, suspended. Uh-huh. So So that was a wasted effort. But uh, but but I had the we had the Byfield night with Kyle when he was up. We had this game, and then of course mid March will be the Ottawa game. So we got to see Cole in. Uh, of course, Cole Perfetti for those who don't, for those of you who don't know is is a top ten projected pick. Used to be in about the top five. He's he kind of you know dropped throughout the season to now in the seven eight range by by most mock draft standards. Uh, what is he, Kyle? Second OHL scoring at the moment. Behind, uh, behind Rossi. Rossi. Rossi, he doesn't have the best second best points per game, mm-hmm. but he is second. Right. He's played more games than everybody else. Like, so just I'll quickly tell you right now, I'll just jump in. Marco Rossi's got the best. McMichael, number two, Byfield, four, mm-hmm. Perfetti, five. Right. So he's up there, and, and hence a, a reason to go down to the Leon Center on a, on a Friday night to see him play. And uh, I mean, I guess while I get my notes organized, uh, Mike, what what did you think of your of your observations of of projected top ten overall pick Cole Perfetti? Well, I think I can understand a little bit why he's dropped in the rankings this year. Uh, I think he really wowed people at the Helenka Gretzky Cup. Uh, came out and had a great tournament, and then just watching this game um, once again through the first two periods, Shane Wright uh, outplayed the guy like the marquee guy on the other team, uh, and. I'm I'm starting to get really high on this 15-year-old, he might be 16 now, player in the OHL who is at around a point per game in as the youngest player in the league. And uh he has been outstanding and for the first two periods he looked like the best player on the ice. Uh and then in came in came the Saginaw Spirit in the third period after giving up a quick goal to Shane Wright. I think just under 2 minutes into the period and they just blazed back, led by Cole Perfetti, who had a point on four of the five goals that Saginaw scored in the third period. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I know how Kyle likes me to break down these things. Kyle likes to look at passing, skating, shot, hockey sense. He likes to kind of break it down in a mechanical way like that, so I will accommodate his view here. Um, very good passer, very good playmaker, and that that is that is one of his calling cards. He has a sixth sense, knowing when his guy, where they are, and making seemingly impossible passes from like one corner to the blue line. Like he 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 will he will make things happen on the power play. He can settle things down. Like when he gets the puck, time stops, and and he seemingly has a vision, and he can slow the pace down and find and make the better play. Um, not much of a great skater. I don't think his top speed is anywhere near elite prospect level. So yeah. the top speed isn't necessarily there. The shot 
is is disappointing. I, I'm not I'm not too impressed by the Perfetti shot. I I, I think it uh, overhyped. I I'm not. I don't think for one he's he's got a great shot. Um, but you know he was cherry picking a lot of the game. I I felt I felt like he was a hot dog for a lot of the game. Like a lot of the first two periods, he would like he would like almost be exiting the zone early, waiting for the pass at the red line. Like I, I kind of got a okay. This guy, he's choosing when to try, and and he's not exactly engaged a hundred percent of the time. Not a very physical player. You're not getting that out of Cole Perfetti. Um, he on the power play. He it, this was interesting. Sometimes they had him on the bumper in the middle on the power play just because of his distribution is so good. So they'd pass him the puck. He'd find somebody open and make a play. Um, later in the game, they shifted him more to the traditional point. <clears throat> part of the power play, top of the circle. Um, he seemed to thrive there. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, edge work, fantastic. Uh, so again, not straightaway speed good, but as far as just turning corners in the zone yeah. is, is very good. Um, there was a shift where he literally just kind of skated like a circle around the whole Kingston zone, banked the puck off the boards to himself like twice in the span of a shift. It was pretty amazing. Again, that's that's just what I'm telling you. He is offensively gifted in the zone when Saginaw needs something to happen. I'm just saying, again, not hugely dramatic, doesn't have this top-notch speed, doesn't have this great Ovechkin shot. I mean, it's 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 just... Uh, he's an interesting case study, and of course, as as Mike mentioned, led his led his team to that comeback because they started double shifting him in that third period. He was he moved from the wing to center, which was interesting, and uh, he basically led his team to leak everything from like a shot from the circle to being parked in front of the net, using his body to kind of get to the puck and just tucking it past the goalie. Every kind of goal like that we saw, and and he took the team on his back, like. He, they didn't look like they, when they were down four one. Like they did not look that intimidated. There was like seventeen minutes left, and like ever since then, double shift, double shift, double shift. He made things happen every single shift, and and I just loved seeing that part of his game. I was disappointed going into the third, and then the third, he kind of just blossomed, and uh, and go went to show me, wow, like this guy can put a team on his back when it really matters. So I think I think a big part of why he sort of started to shine in the third was for the most of the game he was paired on a line with Cole Koski and Ryan Suzuki, and I think Ryan Suzuki was a recent addition uh, through a trade that Saginaw they they brought in, um, and I think on that line Perfetti was cherry picking a little bit because he was trusting Ryan Suzuki and Cole Koski mm-hmm. to dig pucks out of the corner and, and get them up to him. Um, I think when the coach split up Ryan Suzuki from that line and started to get <clears throat> Perfetti and Suzuki uh, running on different lines, that's when Saginaw started to really turn the game. Because if Perfetti wasn't on the ice, Suzuki was. Mm-hmm. And they they were starting to get sort of uh, controlled possession in the Kingston zone for, for long periods of time. Um, and then, yeah, Perfetti came out in the third period looking like a completely different player from the first two. And I think uh, Shane Wright came out in the third period and just after his goal um, sort of disappeared. Absolutely. The momentum clearly shifted. And at that point, this, this young Kingston team started to show themselves. And, uh, and, 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 and guys like Shane could only do so much. But even though, I mean, I, I think I came away from that game seeing, I mean, between that pass he made, between the shot, 
I told Kyle from the first time Kyle saw him, I'm like, watch a shot. It's an underratedly good shot. It's a quick release, and it's it's underratedly good. And and I saw that right on display going top top corner on that goalie. So another great game for Shane Wright. He keeps putting up the numbers. I'm I'm very excited seeing this. But of course, the the Perfetti scouting that that's kind of the big point to take away here. Um, I saw what I needed to see. Like I, he he basically showed me what I need to see. Like I, the guy who scored the shootout goals in the Halinka Gretzky, I see how he do that. He has the skill. He has the hands. He can pass the puck. I see him as more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, like long term. Um, not a dramatically great skater. Not like not like a Stutzel skater. Stutzel's like in another class as far as the skating goes. But um, yeah, I mean, again, can be a hot dog at times, but at certain points, he 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 has the hockey sense and the offensive playmaking as good as anybody. Can you deliver me an NHL comparable? Do you have that? Kind I got to think about that. I I don't want to go on the. Maybe Mike can get into it, and then I can throw somebody out there. But Mike seems to have somebody ready right now. One more thing. Uh, oh, you go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I just. I I mean, he's a bit of an undersized forward. I think he's got playmaking skill but um doesn't quite have the compete level brings to mind like at least a little bit uh i don't know i i think the the vision and and the way you can move the puck reminds me a little bit of like a, a mitch marner light light so not not quite that high-end skill um but he's he's got the hockey IQ and and the goal I was most impressed by and the reason why I say almost like a Mitch Marner light light is because he the goal that impressed me was the third I think it was the tying goal for Saginaw or the third goal for Saginaw where it was some some offensive zone time puck on net and he was right by the side of the goal popped up got the rebound and and just tucked it home and it was just just being in the right place at the right time, uh, doing the right thing, and sort of even though being a little small, willing to go to the dirty area, w- w- willing to go to the net, right? Yeah. Um, maybe Mitch Marner's not the the best comparable, but just sort of the vision and the hockey sense. Yeah, like I was about to say, like just on the top of my head, like a similar player would be uh, Goudreau. Yeah. Um, but I haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen that element of Goudreau's game, like the dirty area game. So maybe there is a, an extra element there to Perfetti. But just holistically speaking, if I just had to guy top of my head, like maybe Goudreau. Uh, he was another guy I was thinking. Of. Yeah, That's we uh, Marner Marner to me is another level past yeah. Goudreau, but they're similar. Yeah. So I see where you're going there. We uh, we both we all saw uh, the Byfield game. You guys saw the Perfetti game. Which one impressed you more between the two of them? Uh, Byfield because of the ceiling. I mean, you have that raw disposition. You have that physical. You've been gifted with that physical dimension. Your skating is a is is a step above Perfetti's, if you ask me. When he's engaged, again, there's this engagement level with Byfield where I just can't get a read as to when he's on and, and, and off. But when the when he's on and I'm seeing him at the top of his perceived ceiling, I get more excited about Byfield. Um, I think he's got more of a shot than Perfetti. Um, he can distribute the puck as well as. Perfetti, I'd say we we saw that on display at our game when he made that pass from the point to the guy in front of the net. Um, I don't know, just just the to me, I'd, I'd rather have Byfield. I I agree with Nick. I think Byfield's the better player, uh, but I think in as far as the performances that we saw, I preferred Perfetti's game to sure. to the one we saw from Byfield. I think they both have similar engagement issues, and I think it it comes from perhaps having. Uh, 
having skill and and for for Perfetti hockey IQ um for byfield size because we've we've talked on this podcast today and and you guys have talked before about how when the game speeds up sometimes byfield looks like he can't keep up um so i don't know i think they they both have areas to improve uh but i liked the way perfetti played against kingston more than more than how byfield played for sure Uh, one thing I want to go back on real quick, you guys mentioned a little bit of Shane Wright. Uh, I, I got to mention this so far statistically, just pure stats wise, I haven't watched all the games by any means, but Shane Wright is having the best exceptional status season that we've ever seen. Uh, again, draft minus two. Uh, he's going to get 40 goals this year. He's at 33 with like something like 20 games left. That's ridiculous. And it's not like he's surrounded. The thing is, he's already had a, a better point-per-game clip than McDavid was in a similar season. Uh, McDavid had Connor Brown on that team. And I, I don't know if, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if Kingston has a player of that caliber t- that Shane Wright can play with. Um, but he, and, and John Tavares had a great host of players to play with in his exceptional status team. So I, I, I think I see McDavid, uh, sorry, uh, Wright, especially statistically, as the best player on this team, the offensive leader. And at a guy who just turned 16 a, ye- a month ago, for Christ's sakes, this is special what we're seeing. And uh, from what I can see, he's blossoming. Nick went to one of his early, early games, and we we're just like, yeah, you know what, 15, he's learning the year. He, he looked a little bit, uh, you know, off speed, oh, yeah. but he is, correct me if I'm wrong, has come a long way. As far way, as the growth. A like long it, way. It's amazing seeing him. I was at the home opener and seeing him that game, seeing his first shift to the game that Mike and I were just alluding to. The growth has been uh, clearly there. Like mature. He, he, is, he went from being kind of clearly a rookie on the team to now having the heavy minutes communicating with all the players being like this captain of this team yeah yeah he's got the a oh yeah he does he got now. he got the a wow. well i gotta get my jersey updated yeah oh my god yeah. One more thing. you better hold on to that jersey and not let it touch <laughs> don't let it touch the outside world like keep it in a fucking ziploc bag that thing is going to be worth a mountain of money <laughs> Holy shit. well and like he so he's got the A now. He's going to get the C on this team. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's an unbelievable player. Uh, and it, his weakness has been skating. That's sort of been uh, what people have been saying for a while. He's got a few years to work on skating before he hits the NHL. Uh, he's already a leader on this Kingston team. He doesn't exactly have a huge host of skilled players to play with. Um, I think there's been a lot of excitement around Pinchuk on the front next. He's he's been an important player, with them, yeah. yeah. Uh, so so there's an excitement around there, and then Wisdom has been a really good player for him to play with. He's going in the second round in the draft this year. Wisdom, yep. he plays really hard, yep. really hard. Oh. Uh, great role model as far as on the ice play. Yeah. Um, but this this Shane Wright kid is going to be unbelievable if anything that he's shown so far continues to continues to be present and, and here's what excites me kyle and i were talking earlier in the season they, they had a terrible start to the year and i was like how's this going to affect his demeanor and his character we heard the horror story horror stories of mcdavid and his dad having to visit him in erie because he'd get so emotional after their terrible losses 
And 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 the the Kingston Frontenacs have been playing decent hockey ever since that Sudbury game. And the Niagara Ice Dogs, since they traded Thomas and they traded Tomasino, they've fallen. And all of a sudden, the Kingston Frontenacs are within one point of a playoff spot. And the no o- way. In the OHL, uh, they have the West and the East. And the top, there's 10 teams in each thing. The top eight of 10, it's fairly liberal who gets in, make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Kingston is one point behind Niagara. They might pass them, and Ottawa's number one. So we might have a Rossi Wright oh first round series God. around the end of March. You guys got to go. Oh, yeah. oh, for sure. To all the games. To all the games. Wow. And and so I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited this kid might get to experience a playoffs in, in his first year. And, and how exciting that would be for this franchise after finishing last, last year. This kid is so good that I might pawn off everything I own to buy Kingston season tickets next year just to see this guy play. He, I, he has been unbelievable. Wow. That's, that's wow. That's speaking yeah. volumes. It's one thing to buy a jersey and to get his autograph. It's another to buy season tickets. That's you got to find a way to get the autograph. Next time they do a jersey <laughs> signing, let everyone know... Hell, I'll pay for it, and can you please get mine signed? <laughs> Someone, please. I need this. Like, they'll do that again, right? The mall? The you strip mall? So, yeah, yeah. Season tickets are like $500, $600. That's a lot of money. <laughs> oh! <laughs> for Kingston yeah. Runner. I know. You'd have to be like yeah. a super fan. <laughs> but, like, he's, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so lovable. It's so easy to yeah. love. What there's, He's a perfect kid. Perfect mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything I mean, else you got? And no, like I said, just to give a tease, uh, like I said, o- Ottawa, they will be in town mid-March. So Mike and I will be sure to communicate this time and get yeah. in there together. And uh, we'll have our review. Uh, regardless of where I'm at for that episode, we'll get Mike to chime in on, on that on that experience. So we'll, we'll have your scouting report of Rossi. Rossi. And, then, and then I think all in all, heading into April uh, for the lottery, we'll have had gotten to see Byfield Live, Rossi live, Perfetti live. Um, I mean, that's 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 a pretty. I mean, we just saw Drysdale at the at the All Star game. I mean, to say I I've seen half of those guys live, and you too, having been at the the prospect at the camp for the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's an incredible privilege. And uh, Ring moves pumping out quality. Yeah, content. and and we'll be <laughs> we'll be able to actually say something about these guys as opposed yeah. to just watching shitty video on OHL.com. So yeah, um, yeah, Shout out yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love your two minute little highlight clips, but it's one thing to see that, another to see you guys live. So. Um, yeah, I mean, lots to be excited about. The yeah. last thing I want to do, mm-hmm. if you don't have anything else. Nope. Um, I'm, I got Tankathon up on my uh, computer screen yeah. here. Let me run the sim, the sim lottery once and, uh, and just create this religion. Like whatever we see here is what's going to happen. Okay, I'm going to have you guys guess. Okay, I'm going to run the sim. Okay, let me know when you're ready. Nick, you're good? Yep. So uh, just make a prediction here. Who's going to get it? Yep. <clears throat> All I need is top three from you, fellas. Oh, wow. That's too much to predict here. I thought you just wanted one. Uh, just give me a lottery team if you can. No, you're just going to say Detroit. Don't do that. No, I, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a Kings jersey right now, so I'm going to go LA Kings. To win? Detroit, three. Ottawa from San Jose, two. Okay. And uh, I'm going with Chicago, one. Oh, yeah. I love it. Nick, what do you got? Uh, 
I'll give you uh, LA will come second. They'll almost get him, but they won't. So they'll go second. Third, I'll go Ottawa from San Jose. Okay. Or no, I'll go Ottawa. Standard Ottawa. Or no. Okay, third. Okay, no, no. Third, third standard Ottawa. Two LA Kings. And uh, number one overall pick, Alexi Lafreniere to the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, I like that. Okay, Gary Bettman is, is, is in the building. That weird bald guy is coming down with the briefcase. <laughs> no, the lawyer. They get like an accountant. They get an accountant to carry the briefcase. He's the one who knows. The lottery results are in. <laughs> I think, wow. One of you guys is definitely pretty darn close. Number three. What did you guys have for number three? I had uh, Ottawa from San Jose. Detroit hmm. with a third overall pick. Okay. Ottawa from San Jose too. Number two. What did you have? I had L- LA. LA with the number two overall pick. Number one. Picking first overall in the hilarious... <laughs> Turn of events, Ottawa from San Jose. Oh, nice. Wow. <clears throat> from San Jose. Yeah. It had to be from San Jose. That's awesome. <laughs> Man, this thing is so crazy. I know. Like I, I was telling Kyle, I did 20 of these like a month or two ago, and Detroit only got it twice of 20. Wow. Yeah. It took me 20 tries for Detroit to finally get the first overall. So the lottery the lottery is so unpredictable now. Um. I had a friend who's a Vancouver fan over the past few years, just killing himself, hitting that refresh button. Uh, but this is the type of draft year where if you're in the top five, you're walking away with a player you're happy with. Um, obviously, Lafreniere is, is number one by, by, I think, a mile right now. But um, in the top five, you're looking at, uh, after Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzel, I think Rossi, and um, Drysdale. And I think any of those four players you'd be happy with. Right now. Well, yeah. the bigger question will be what their legacy holds. Mm-hmm. Like, who is the bust? Is there a bust? Right? Like, I was about to say hilarious. that. <laughs> this guy, of all guys, has a very shaky um, underpinning. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. He's like, he's held up by toothpicks. His his whole like yeah, <laughs> like are one of is. those is, is one of those Swedes gonna be a bust? Like they're they're top ten, right? I could see it, I could see it. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Like I I'm not overly impressed by Perfetti. I, I probably wouldn't say he's gonna be a bust, but uh, but I wouldn't say he's this godsend, you know. So yeah, what I'll, what I'll say about Byfield is even if he's a bust, I think he's a bust in the sense that he ends up being like a solid third liner. He, he still ends up being a good NHL player, but the expectations that are going to surround him being taken top two or top three if he falls out of the top two spot mm. are, I just don't think, I think there's a potential he doesn't live up to those. And if he doesn't live up to those, that he's seen as the bust of this draft. He should go, he'd like to go to a small market team. I don't th- I think he'd crumble in a big market. Don't you, Kyle? I, you know, and you know he, why? He needs we say not that? to get a lot of interview questions. Yeah. He needs to just stay yeah. in his own shell and stay play. out go of the Go to LA. Go to LA. Yeah. Because this guy is mentally <laughs> fractured, unhinged. Yeah. He's a gelatin uh, floor that you just, you're walking on and you're like, oh, fuck. What's he going to say now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. He, he, 
I don't like him. I don't like him. Yeah, he does. He I be- want to like him a lot. He belongs in Southern California. I shared the ice with him in Newmarket, Ontario, yeah. and I don't like him. Not because of I. Not because of that night. Because he wore every a, time I see he wore him, a ski like, jacket. Because he wore a ski jacket. Oh, he was unzipped. fucking bundled up, man. His mom got him way too much yeah. clothing that night. Yeah, way too many layers. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, we we're over the two hour twenty. Well over. This, mark, this so. might be the record. This is the record. This is the this r- is the record. Rink Moose's longest episode. Okay, but make sure that's in the title. So I hope you guys are still with us at yeah. this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Despite the length, expert coverage nonetheless. Oh, honored to have our special guest Mike back on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, uh, always love coming on with you boys yeah. and, and talking hockey. Um, and. Always love the hot takes on Quinn Byfield as well. Yeah, like I said, we'll definitely have you back for our whenever we see this Ottawa game to get into to, to Rossi there. Um, but you know, until next time, the deadline is approaching. Uh, we're about ten days away or so. Um, so lots to dissect after that. What will Montreal do? What will the Leafs do? All the other teams he spoke of. So um, yeah, lots to look forward to. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show for today. And uh, until next time, finally after two and a half hours, Rink Moose signing off.